0: I'm going to Yo, what's up? Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. I'm Coulter Nuanez. Our second Big Sky Breakdown of the latter part of the week with the 120th rendition of the Montana and Montana State rivalry coming at you high noon from Missoula. This Big Sky Breakdown. All well, the interviews from the week get things kicked off with a couple of former outstanding players in this rivalry. Former Montana State quarterback Travis Lule and former Montana offensive lineman Dylan McFarland. You'll also hear from Bobcat head coach Brett Egan, as well as former Bobcat head coach Mike Craig a guy that coached at three different Big Sky Conference schools, winning Coach of the Year a total of four different times, and just a resident Big Sky historian. And then we'll also hear from Sean Rainey, SWX Montana Television. Hope you enjoyed the Big Sky Breakdown this week. Appreciate you being here. Big Sky Breakdown presented by Blackfoot Communications and Alpine Touch. We're joined now on the Montana State Minute by Travis Lule, former Montana State quarterback. And the guy's become a good friend of mine. Travis, thanks so much for being with us, man. I know you love rehashing the memories from the rivalry. How you been?
1: Yeah, been good. Been good. I'm uh, helping coach my daughters in basketball now. Uh, Staying busy, living the dream one day at a time here in Oregon. But um, happy Cat Grizz Week, Colter. Gives you guys a bunch to talk about this
0: week, huh? Absolutely, man, and this is the dream scenario for guys like me that cover both sides of this rivalry intensively, and it's both teams almost certainly in the playoffs already and a lot on the line in this upcoming game. So we'll start with the here and now before we rehash some memories. I know you've been following the Cats a little bit, so what have you thought of the first year under Brent Vegan and what Montana State's been able to accomplish so far?
1: Yeah, you know, obviously they've had a great season to this point. Uh, It's been kind of fun to see because, um, you know, there's always a little bit of concern. I think Jeff Choate had a good thing going, and there was just really good vibes around the program, and Choate brought great energy and all that stuff. So you worry about the next guy and the transition out, and obviously, uh, you know, Coach Brent Vegan's a little bit of a different personality than Jeff, and how are the players going to take to that? But, uh, you know, if the field is any indication, they've taken to it really well. So, uh, you know, they've had, they've had some moments. It hasn't all been perfect. I actually think that's a good thing. That bodes well for them, that it hasn't been, you know, completely easy every single week, including last week against – you know, an Idaho team, I think they're better than. And then there was a you know game early in the year against Portland State. So there's, you know, the Weber State win was a really gritty win in Ogden um, against a good football team. So there's been a couple of moments, uh, maybe that Weber State game and then the game at, uh, in Cheney a couple weeks ago, where you go, okay, well, this football team, you know, they're pretty darn resilient. They got a, you know, they seem to have a pretty good uh, head on their shoulders, if you will, as a team. Um, so it's been fun to watch. Obviously, this one is another huge and maybe the penultimate test of the season uh to to date but uh but so far it's been it's been fun to watch the team grow and get better
0: You've played a lot of football in your career throughout your time at Montana State, in the NFL, in the Canadian Football League. There's so many different types of coaches. Jeff Choate was such a good rah-rah type coach, an intense coach, a guy that's going to get you inspired, a guy that's going to help you lead to a comeback, or a guy that's going to you know make you buckle down on defense and hit people. And I think it's a great style. It's a very appealing style to the people of Montana. I think that's why Choate was such a popular figure for the Bobcats. Brett Vegan's objectively so different, but I also think he has certain strengths that maybe eluded Choate. I think that his in-game decision-making is really, really good. I think that his calm demeanor and his steady hand is really good. He doesn't make irrational decisions. It seems like he trusts, I mean, even like a three-point lead, a six-point lead, he trusts his defense. He, he makes the, the the conservative play because he does trust his guys to make plays and they've also done a hell of a job of putting their best players in a position to succeed. But you've played for a lot of different types of coaches, so compare and contrast. I mean, how, what are the strengths and weaknesses of each type and what do you think of just the way that Montana State seems to have acclimated to this style after having a difference South for the last couple of years.
1: Yeah, no, I think, I think you're spot on with a lot of that stuff. Um, and yeah, it, you can lead in a lot of different ways, and guys do. I think it's actually just at a very surface level, it's the difference between a defensive guy and an offensive guy, right? Uh, Jeff Choate obviously being, uh, you know, being a defensive-minded, you know, D-line coach, linebackers, defensive coordinator type of guy, and um, Coach Vegan having spent most of his time on the offensive side of the ball, you know, and coaching quarterbacks. And and part of that is, um, you know, kind of the nature of the position groups. Uh, Defensive guys have have to have crazy energy they just do the best defenses play with intense energy all the time and they don't they don't let that waver and you need a ton of emotion to do that I think offensively it behooves you to be a little bit more even keeled and level-headed playing quarterback if I was I I mean I could feel it myself if I got too geeked up I'd throw the ball into the stands and you know bang bang heads with a linebacker when I didn't need to on a second down run play you know so uh when I was more even keeled is when I was playing some of my best football so I think I think yeah now that that is the difference I think ultimately you have to find a way to get the team in that room to trust you. And, you know, I was reading some comments from players early in the season. It might have been a piece you did, Coulter, but it was just some of the guys just talking about how uh, Brett Vegans like – crazy attention to detail and being super meticulous. So even though he steps back and observes and kind of is a little bit more hands-off maybe with different position groups than Choate, you know, sticking his nose in there all the time, it is just a different style. But if you are demonstrating that, um, You know the your style is set up to give your guys a best chance to win, and players start to buy into that. I don't care how you're doing it. Um, If they believe they can win, and you're um, doing everything you can to put them in position to win, guys are going to play hard for you. And I think that's what we've seen. And to your point, like you know, seeing moments where he's just really trusted his team. I thought, you know, there was a call late in the Weaver game when I think they, the Montana State offense was kind of struggling a little bit, and they went for it on a fourth down and didn't get it. But the defense had been so nails all day, they stepped up and got another stop like they had the rest of the day. And, I, you know, that just, to me, that says there's a, a lot of confidence in a group being able to execute both offensively. Even when you're struggling, I'm going to leave you out there to do it on a fourth down. And guess what? If it doesn't happen, defense, buckle down and do your job, and they did it. You know, so that, that's a just tremendous team effort. takes a lot of respect, builds a lot of respect on, uh, you know, in all phases of your football team.
0: Travis Lilley joining us here on Nuana's Now ESPN Radio as well as SWX Montana Television. He's a former Bobcat quarterback and a budding Bobcat analyst. That was great stuff right there, Travis. Let's talk some memories, though. Everybody around the rivalry certainly remembers you, and I think a lot of people that wear blue and gold remember you better than almost anybody. A lot of people wearing maroon and silver maybe grit their teeth a little bit when they think of some of the old memories, but I want to rehash a story from before you came to Montana State. When you first were out in Oregon and you, you gotten recruited and you committed to the, to the bobcats tell us the story of just the way that that then affected you because it seemed like there was maybe some misperception on where you were going to go to school
1: <laughs> yeah well i you know i um yeah, I grew up in Oregon, you know, in Oregon, so my my folks were Oregon State people and uh you know, Oregon Oregon state the civil war was a big rivalry for us growing up. So I understand like the dynamic of a ra- rivalry. It's like are you a Duck guy or a Beaver guy? So I always got that. and So I was actually kind of excited to learn, you know, there was a, you know, a good in state rivalry in Montana. Well, I committed to Montana State and the year that I committed, Montana State are Excuse me. The University of Montana won the national championship uh, like a month after I had committed to play for the Cats. And you know, I'm not thinking much of it. I'm excited about going to Montana State. But just to uh, super casual observers, right, every time it would come up and say, "Oh, where are you where are you going? Oh, you're going to college play football? Good for you. Where are you going?" I said, "Oh, Montana State." And they'd go, "Oh, didn't they just win?" And I'm going, "No, nope. I'm going to the rival school, not the school that just won the national championship." So it was already like starting to bug me a little bit. I'm like, "Quit talking about the Grizzlies, you know? Like I'm i I'm a Bobcat guy." And and so, uh, yeah, I came out to, to Bozeman, and, you know, the funny thing was I had zero idea. You've probably heard me say this before, Colter, but I had no clue that this the streak was a thing and that was happening and that we'd lost 16 years in a row. I knew, you know, obviously recent history had shown that, you know, uh, Montana was a national championship or a, a national champion team, and uh, the Bobcats weren't in the playoffs. I knew the very recent history, but I didn't realize that there was, you know, 16 years uh, of of being on the wrong side of that rivalry, so man, that that uh, didn't sit well with me from the get go. Because I knew I grew up an Oregon State Beaver guy, and I saw a lot of losing football as a kid. So I knew what it was like to be a you know a Bobcat fan that had watched their team you know not get over the hump for a number of years, and you know made me all the more motivated going into those uh, rivalry games early on in my career of not wanting to be on the wrong side.
0: Well, certainly w- among the first and most memorable moments of your time as a montana state bobcat was when the streak ended and montana state comes to missoula posts a 10-7 victory and uh, 16 years of sorrow ends for many bobcat fans and that was sort of the beginning of a new era because since then this rivalry has been just accentuated in its ferocity and its competitiveness because it's been dead even it's nine to nine since the streak ended montana state's had the upper hand the last several years with four wins in a row but travis the time that you went to missoula in 2002 and you knocked off the grizzlies that was not your first time at Washington Grizzly Stadium. So tell us the story about the first time you ever saw Washington Grizz.
1: Sure, yeah. I was, uh, well, coming to, you know, as just a bright-eyed, soon-to-be freshman, I... My family decided we were gonna make a little Montana trip out of this. So the whole family came out to Bozeman and we wanted to stay for about a week, kind of explore a little bit, see Yellowstone, do a few fun things before I dove off into football camp and said goodbye to the family. Well on our way to Bozeman we stopped in Missoula for a lunch or something and you know, I'd heard about this Grizzly football program. I'm like, God, let's go let's let's see if we can peek into the stadium. And so we drove uh, over to Washington Grizzly and I found a way to get to a vantage point where I could peek through the fence and see down on the field. And, Oh, that's pretty cool. You know, man, it would be fun. It would be fun. Think about this place full. You know, I'm kind of talking to my dad and brother and mom and like, man, wouldn't it be fun to like come to this place and, get a play and find a way to get a win here in front of all these fans you know and uh you know it was just a sunny summer day and kind of a light-hearted thought at the time but you know at the very next time i set foot in that stadium uh you know we have playoffs on the line on the i find myself in the uh, you know as the starting quarterback it's just a snowy blizzard way different from that like warm july day um but it was it was it was kind of eerie like man we were just talking about this a couple months ago and you blinked and here we are playing with a lot on the line and then you know we found a way to win that day and just a gritty blizzardy day and I remember hardly believing it frankly until I took the last couple kneel downs you know we we you know favorite way to finish a game in football is to turn out a couple of first downs and kneel the clock out victory formations my favorite formation in football right And so a couple kneel downs and I remember even looking looking back now and seeing the clip as I kind of take that final kneel down and look at the clock and realize like this thing's over we can't even fumble a snap and blow this thing you know it it happened I you know kind of my hands are on my head and I'm you know I saw you know some Parents of players and other Bobcat fans on the field, and like there was like tears flying and you know whiskey flowing and all that stuff, and you kind of got a sense of wow, this was just kind of bigger than a game, and and so that was cool. And, and to your point, Colder, it's nine and nine and nine ever since, and I mean that's a healthy rivalry, right? Like I I, I talk about this a lot. We want to beat the Grizz, but golly, what a cool thing for the state of Montana, and you both. Bobcat and Grizzly fans to have this rivalry, you know. If you once you step away and get removed a little bit, you're like, man, that, that really is really is a special thing. It, you know, it's the biggest show in the state. It's what side are you on? You wear your colors with a lot of pride. Both programs do have a ton of history, and so it's just cool to see it in such a such a healthy place that rivalry.
0: Absolutely, and I, I do think we reminded people on the show yesterday about that, and I think it's re-emphasizing. Travis Lule, former Montana State quarterback, joining us here on Nuanas Now, and uh, there's a lot of fun that can be had here. Smack talking's a great thing, but I think that people need to keep it healthy, keep it positive, because sometimes this thing gets out of control, a little little vitriol, but I think that's one thing that's worth reminding people is that the players in this game, within the scope of competition on that afternoon, you certainly want to beat your opponent, but there's not this vitriol and this hate among the players, and I know that you, cross paths with a lot of former Grizz guys during your time playing professionally. and I, That's a story that's been replicated a lot of times. I know J.P. Flynn from Montana State, who played for the 49ers for a couple years, his locker was right next to Brock Coyle, former Grizz linebacker. So those guys you know, got to be friends. And this is a story that's replicated a lot. But tell us the stories about a couple of the Grizz guys that you crossed paths with at the professional ranks.
1: Yeah, you bet. And you're right. You're right about that. And and just because, you know, that you have a lot of respect for those guys doesn't mean that's any less, you know, it's not a softness. It's not weakness. You know, it's a respect thing, right? And I think when you have a healthy respect for your opponent, not only, you know, do you have that respect for them, but it makes you want to beat them more, right? Like it's a more gratifying win when you respect those guys on the other side. So yeah, that is important. But I mean, shoot, I, uh, it is funny to get on the other side of it. And it's like, uh, it's a pretty cool obvious connection you know that that you're part of the rivalry it's and you know there obviously there's there is the smack talk that exists and you want your team to win you want to be on the right side of the rivalry for at least the next year you can talk about it right you can't say you can't say squat to me because we won last year um and and that kind of thing is is real and it's fun but yeah i mean i did i i bumped into a lot of uh grizz guys along the way i you know i shared a couple with you but one kind of sticks out to me um, when I was in New Orleans and I had gone to NFL Europe and gotten hurt and I didn't know if my career was over or what and I got into this mini camp with New Orleans Saints uh, after I got cleared and I got there and I, w- and I just was playing kind of free and clear you know I was like I got nothing to lose I was playing some pretty good football and one of the guys in that in that camp with me down there was Jimmy Ferris former Grizz wideout Jimmy Ferris and he'd obviously bounced around a little bit professionally he was a few years older than me at that point in time but um, you know we developed like a little little chemistry in 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 uh, in this rookie minicamp. and I remember hitting him on a couple balls, uh, you know, up the sidelines and in tight seams and stuff. And Jimmy coming up to me, and he was like my hype man. I remember him talking to Sean Payton about me, like, "Oh, this kid can really play." Da da da. da. And he he specifically said to me, like, "Man, if if this doesn't work out here, if these guys let go, of you you should gotta go up to Canada and ball out, man." I think he's like, "I'm telling you, you're not like a starter there. You're you're an MVP. You're a star of that league. If 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 these guys don't hang on to you." they're crazy and so it was just one of those things you know like i don't know jimmy ferris I we didn't play against each other directly but we knew there was like a mutual respect from the cat grizz thing and uh we found a little chemistry and he gave me like a boost of confidence and that happened a few times along the way i tough harris was down there in that minicamp tough tough halfway taught me how to golf because he married a lady grizz golfer you know and uh, so he had learned to golf uh keep up with his wife and i wanted to play co- golf with the quarterbacks it was drew Brees and mark brunell and the guys would play golf all the time after practice and i was just a hack i couldn't go on the course with them so who teaches me how to go golf but uh grizz cornerback who i was you know throwing balls around the previous few years uh, so that was kind of a fun connection then obviously the Dickinsons. when i get up to canada you know dave dickinson was a guy that just had so much respect around the canadian football league for the way he handled himself and the way he played the game up there matter of fact we had the same i was playing for the same coordinator that he finished his career with and so i would pull up old game film of of Dave Dickinson, because I wanted to see how this, you know, how this 5'10 guy with the self-proclaimed slow feet and not a big arm was just wheeling and dealing in Canada. And he was obviously just super smart, uh, read the field really, really well. And I wanted to know, you know, where does he throw the ball versus certain different coverage looks on certain play calls? And it actually helped me a ton Uh, going back and watching old Dickinson film. And there was, you know, before and after games, he would kind of send me little words of encouragement. Hey kid, I'm pulling for you. I think you're going to be a good player in this league. And so it was fun to see, you know, I obviously developed into a, into a starter and, you know, had a, had a, a number of gratifying years playing up there. But there was always the Cat-Grizz conversation. I mean, it literally happened before every game. We'd be, I don't know, I don't know. Cats are looking pretty good this year, Dave. I don't know. You know, and he'd be firing back at me. So, I mean, it's just it is just cool. And obviously, you know, Alex Singleton playing up there, another Bobcat guy. And Dickinson actually drafted Alex Singleton because he qualified as a Canadian up there in the Canadian Football League because his mom was born in Canada or something, right? So he's an L.A. Canadian kid, which is always kind of funny. But, uh, you know, he became a star player for Dave's teams up there, right? And so, uh, you know, the connections just go on and on. It's, uh, it's always fun. But it's, it, uh, it is. Uh, make no bones about it. It's more fun when your team... Uh, has the upper hand and so with the cats winning a few in a row now that feels pretty good i just uh, i want them to keep this thing going
0: he's travis lule great friend of this show good friend of mine former montana state bobcat quarterback and a long time pro in both the nfl and the cfl travis thanks so much for taking some time my man one of the best weeks of the year for me because i get to catch up with all my good friends on both sides of the rivalry true pleasure having you on thanks so much for being here
1: appreciate it man enjoy the rest of the week and uh go cats
0: So your sad college game day isn't coming to Missoula. I got news for you: college game day has always been in Missoula. ESPN Missoula has been the proud host of our ESPN Twisted Tailgate all season long, and for the last five years. So if you need someone to get all ready for Saturday's showdown with Montana State coming to the Garden City to take on Montana, swing on down and hang out with me, Coulter nuanas and all my good buddies as we get you prepped for the 120th edition of the fiercest rivalry in college football. Our ESPN College Game Day comes to you live starting at 10 a.m. on Saturday from the Chamber of Commerce parking lot. We will have drinks courtesy of the Badlander. Pepsi Cola will be on hand serving some beverages. We'll also have swag from all our great sponsors, including RV Truck Sales, Ryan Holloway & Miller, Alpine Touch, and Twisted Tea. Don't be sad. Come hang out with us at our ESPN Missoula College Game Day Twisted Tailgate beginning at 10 a.m. from the Chamber of Commerce parking lot. We'll see you there. Happy now to be joined in studio with one of my good friends and an all-time great Grizz. It's Dylan McFarlane. It's our Grizz Star of the Week, presented by Bob Ward Sports and Outdoors. Hunting season's in full flight, skiing season's fast approaching. Bob Ward has all sorts of goods for you, no matter if you're in the mood for some mittens or you need a new coat, anything to stay warm during the winter. Head on down to Bob Ward's Sports and Outdoors. What's up, Dylan? How you living, my man?
2: Doing good, man. Doing good. Great week of uh, life right here with football here. Uh, Obviously, Sentinel, big game. Uh, Hamilton, big game. Florence, big game, and then the big one on Saturday. So,
0: I uh, you walked in on me when I was doing some stuff when we were playing Bryce Carver's interview. I'm going through right now one of my favorite things we do at Skyline Sports every year Montana Made, where I highlight all of the guys from both sides of the rivalry. They're from Montana, just little blurbs about each of them, but I love dissecting it to see you know, which school has more Montana guys, which school has more. Guys from Class A, AA, which town has the most guys? You are a Kalispell guy. There is, count them up, eight guys from Kalispell playing this game. A couple other guys, two from the Polson, or excuse me, the Flathead area. Got a Polson guy. Got two Whitefish guys. There's not one guy from Kalispell Flathead. That's
2: crazy to me, man. You're a Brave. This is weird. You know, it, they're down a little bit right now, but they're they coming are. around. Um, I like the coach we have there right now. He's working hard. Those guys are working hard up there. Uh, obviously, Brock put a lot of money into a weight room up there, and uh, and they'll get there. They got some kids coming.
0: For sure, and it, it does ebb and flow. All you can really ask is do, if your kids play hard, and Alex Cummings, who's a Missoula Big Sky alum, the guy who I grew up with, he played with my brother growing up. He's the head coach now there at Flathead, and He's, he's going to do a good job. He had his kids playing hard. They took their lumps during the season, but uh, should be good for the Braves. When it turns to this weekend, the year how you feel it i know it's been a while since you actually were a player but i know you're a guy that's really engaged in this stuff still so does this hearken uh, old memories for you when it is the uh, the bobcat week for the grizzlies
2: yeah for sure you know you start talking to friends you start getting text messages immediately after the game on saturday uh cat week and everything from there which you can't see on the radio but uh you know guys are excited um it's a way that people connect. It's a way that the state connects. Whether you had played in the game, had gone to the school, or just living here now, like people can relate to the the, uh, the gravity of this case or this uh, game and the importance of it. And and it's fun, you know. I mean, they're, they, within there within people's offices, I know my own office um, around town. It doesn't matter where you're at. Everyone knows what, what week it is.
0: You and your time when you were playing for the Grizzlies, sort of part of a unique time span because. When you started your career and you your first making waves individually, you were part of some phenomenal and unforgettable teams. And by the way, we've been marching through our Grizz Greats 20th anniversary of the 2001 National Champion Podcast Series. Dylan and I had an episode earlier, but we've also featured former head coach Joe Glenn, guys like Atu Molden and Johansi Humphrey, John Casper, who's now an administrator at the Big Sky Conference, who was a journalist here in Missoula for the Missoulian. So you can check that out. But you were on that 2001 National Championship team, but then you were also on the team, that was part of the streak ending. And so he has sort of both sides of the perspective as a player. So uh, what do you remember just about that time? Because he had a really high high in 2001, but then when the streak ended, probably uh, a low for you guys.
2: Yeah, for sure. And and I think it even starts before that, you know, when you're getting recruited and trying to decide where to go. Um, back in 1998, the Cavs were pretty good. We came down here to Missoula, got recruited, had uh, Joel Robinson and myself uh, come to the game and, and, you know, watch the game and the Grizz win and you see the atmosphere and then you know after that it's kind of a no-brainer you go to the Grizz next two years you know my freshman year cats are defeated the entire year and yeah. 11 that's oh right 11. Mike Kramer's yep. first year yep yep and and there's um there's no doubt that the Grizz wanted to put and we wanted to put a stamp on 11 and that was important <laughs> yep um and then you know the next year you get into a pretty good game down in Bozeman but you can see him start coming along with coach Kramer um and then, shoot, you know, our, our junior year, at some point in time, you know, in the back of your mind that the streak has to end and you don't want it to end on your watch. And that was kind of where we got to. And that's just, you know, it, it was a heck of a game. It was 10-7. It was snowing. It was cold. Uh, guys were banged up on both sides. Um, and it was, it was a great football game if you watch the football game. Um, but it was uh, when they came out on top on and, you know, shoot, that was that was a tough one to lose. I mean, I, I mean... I can remember that one more than, um, shoot, probably more than win the national championship just because I know what it means to the people of the state of Montana as a whole. Um, and, uh, you know, the next year we go down to, to Bozeman again and, and get beat again. So you've lost two in a row now. And, and, uh, that's the way I ended my career. So two and two. And, um, yeah, it brings out a lot of emotions. And especially this week, you know, just it's a, it's a different time of year and it, it's a different game for sure. Well, I know
0: that you're always, I mean, you got Grizz in your blood, so you're always going to be on the Grizz side of this things, of course, and you're always going to passionately root on the Grizz. But objectively, just from a sports fan perspective. It's better when there's a little bit more of a rivalry, right? I mean, because there was a moment in time where there was not really a rivalry. Montana was just owning this thing.
2: Right, absolutely. I mean, for the state of Montana uh, and for the athletes in Montana, high school athletes yeah. especially, it, it is best when it's competitive. And it, it's fun when it's competitive. You for know, sure. It, you're going to a weekend like this weekend, and you're going, we have two great teams. Absolutely. We have two teams that you look down the road and say— I wouldn't it wouldn't shock me if they were playing for the Chipper. I mean, they're they're that good, or at least in the semifinals. I mean, they're they're that good of teams, and you can't tell me that's not good for Montana the State as a whole, uh, for the the kids, like I said, coming out of high school as a whole, uh, and for these communities. You know, it's, it's an awesome experience, and it, it's it's a good thing for Montana.
0: It's absolutely a great thing, and I also think that you know, we've been hoping for this moment that we have right now, where it's it's only happened a couple times in the last twenty something years, where actually. The result of the game isn't that impactful on the national level. What I mean is both these teams are going to playoffs. It's going to be very impactful in terms of who gets what seed, who gets a buy. I do think that there is a scenario, depending on what happens in the rest of the country, where if Montana was to win, but other things happen, that both the teams could still get seeds. But I do think absolutely that the winner of this game is going to get a seed. So when you talk about national ramifications, I think it's actually tremendous for the league and the state and everybody involved when you know that a passionate effort is going to get you there, but also... If you do stub your toe, it's a
2: quality loss because you're losing to another top five team, right? Right, for sure. I mean, and and you watch these teams play, and, and you talk about quality teams. Like both teams on defense can fly around, man. And uh, you know things have changed since I was playing, where you know you didn't really see the Cats play throughout the year. Or the other teams play throughout the year, You'd right? See them now and again, right now. I mean, shoot, I turn on ESPN Plus and I can watch whatever All game it's I want up. to, and you crank that one up, and you're like, well, those guys are real. The craziest part, yeah. too, is
0: the der- very kickoff times. Too, this last Saturday was the first time they both kicked off at the same time. I yep. remember growing up it was the same time always you had to choose which game you're going to watch because they're on at the same time half the time they weren't even on TV but now yep. you can stagger it out I mean I've watched whenever I'm at a game I'm watching the other one first whenever it's playing out so that's an interesting addition as well yeah for sure and like I said there's tons of talent running on that field so it'll be fun do you remember Dylan McFarland? by the way former Grizz offensive lineman former Buffalo Bills offensive lineman joining me Coulter Nuanez here in studio it's our Grizz star of the week presented by Bob Ward sports and outdoors do you remember any specifics from from Bobcat Grizzly games uh, when you were playing do you you know, have rivalries on the bobcats was there any guys that were like thorns on your side you know,
2: I, I do remember Adam Cordero just because he's a he, great player, great player out of Boulder, Montana, and and he and I knew each other. We were the same age. Um, I would I would call it a very respectful rivalry. He mm-hmm. was a heck of an athlete, strong kid, talented defensive end. We went up against each other a lot, and so that was always something I look forward to. You, you
0: know? get to know some of these guys too, because I mean, I'm assuming you play the Shrine Game, right? Oh yeah,
2: for sure. Yeah, because then so it's that's
0: kind of like the last reunion then, and you know you got these guys. On this you might be playing against your former, your future teammates, or with your future opponents so you kind of get to know these guys like that too even
2: even back then we had the mondat game so it was it wasn't just sides of the state it was montana period against you know the dakotas and and so you get to know these guys really well you know and and so then they it it was split about 50 50 on who was going where from that mondat game and like coach said earlier uh you, you know these guys there's there's friends on the other side and and uh it's it's just a different dynamic. It's a lot of fun, and you know, once you kind of take off from that Shrine game, it's you're gonna be head to head after that because there's not a lot of switching back and forth.
0: No question. Is there a specific any specific plays or, or moments that you remember? Yeah, from for sure. I mean,
2: obviously, the 2001 game was a lot of fun uh, for me. That was so that was the first game I actually got to play in I, as a freshman. I had I broke my foot, so I didn't get to play or ankle and. Uh, But the 2001 game in Bozeman, ton of fun. I I mean, I remember just coming out on the field and seeing friends in the stands on the Bozeman side, yelling at me and, you know, shirts off and painted up. And I was like, what's <laughs> yes. going on here? I mean, two years ago we were in high school together, now you're out here, um, <laughs> you know, and it, it, it was fun. But it's, you know, there's specific plays you remember. Um, I remember plays, frankly, I remember more plays that I didn't make than plays that I made. You know, I mean, you you always remember uh, the things, you for me, the things you, you, you screwed up or didn't quite do right. And I mean, just a couple of blocks here and there, especially in that uh, 2003 game where – you're just going, oh man, we're one play away, two plays away. And, and, and that's what this game's all about. You know, you miss a couple of those and, and it goes the other way. How did coach Glenn approach this? Cause I always think that the way that each head coach approaches these
0: games is very interesting. I, la- last, if you're watching on TV, you see the print I have here of Bobby Houck and Jeff Choate shaking hands. And after this 48-14 victory by the Bobcats in Bozeman, Bobby Houck made some interesting comments. He talked about sort of the vitriol that exists in the rivalry, how it's maybe gotten a little bit out of hand. I do agree with him on that element. I also think it's ironic, though, because he's contributed to that element <laughs> a little bit. Uh, you know, Bobby and his whole, I wish the, qu- the game was five quarters long so we could kick their bleeps some more. I mean, that's a comment that's probably never going to stop being played around the state. But regardless on this. There's always the spin of who does this game matter more to? I think it's sort of silly because it should just matter the same to both sides. But how do you remember the way that Coach
2: Glenn prepared you guys? Was it a downplaying of it? Was it an upsell? How did he do it? There is no coach, I guarantee, on either side that has to sell his game at all.
3: (laughs) Right. Period. I mean,
2: (laughs) you you come off that field. I I remember vividly every time I'd come off the field and the week before, and everyone says, oh, don't look." no one's looking the next week. No one's looking next week. The Bobcat game for us. You look forward to that from all your winter conditioning. So don't tell me people don't look 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 ahead.
0: Especially when you're from Montana, right? Right,
2: exactly. And I, I guarantee the same way on the other side. And so you come off that field the week before, and you're going up the tunnel chanting, chanting cat week, cat week, cat week. Right. And people are going nuts because it's just an uh, insane week. So as soon as that you know clock hits hit zeros, I guarantee last right. week, NAU, <laughs> they're chanting all the way in the locker room, cat week, cat week, cat week. Here
0: I here mean, you, know. you saw the Troy Anderson, one of Montana State's star players, one of the great players to come through the state of Montana, in the last 20 years. He's very soft-spoken and, and not really a hype guy. He doesn't really like doing the media stuff. But there's a great video right now when he uh, he gets through the, the post-game handshake line after Idaho. And he looks right. He can tell. You can tell he knows the videographer's right there. He says the exact same thing. He goes, Griswick, baby, let's go. And he runs off the field. It's so true, man. I think that even though they say they, they would downplay whatever, that's not how it is. But did Coach Glenn, did he bring any like historical figures or anything like that to tell you guys about it? Or how did he yeah, go about teaching Yeah, for sure. So,
2: so Coach has always brought in players that played in the past and what, what that game meant to them, what it you know, different different things that happened in the game, how uh, they were slighted or not slighted, how they won, how they didn't win, you know, things like that. Um, and it's always fun to hear guys speak about their experiences, even going back, a you know, 10, 20, 30 years before you, you know, so so coaches even starting at Coach Heath and Coach Glenn and Coach Houck always had players come in and talk about what that game meant to them because that's, you know, as a young guy, as a young man, that's, that's something that you're going, hey, 30 years from now, this matters. No and, question. You know, I mean, there's, there's guys with tattoos, there's guys with, you know, like heartbreaking stories. There's guys that are just pumped. There's guys that are trying to pump you up because it, you know, it's one of those things, once you're done, you're done, you know, and you're living vicariously through whatever's going on in the field. So every coach kind of had their different deal. I, like I said, no one had to pump anyone up and, and, and I think I remember Coach Hulk laughing the first time that, you know, he was a first year coach when he played or when he coached here, seeing the, the team come off the field against Eastern Washington, just go nuts about the cat week and being like, this is like this. What do we do? Like, we don't have to do anything. It's in that week of practice is amazing. Guys flying around, hitting each other um, physical. We used to have a rookie bowl, you know. So if you're a freshman, you played a straight game in front of everyone and it was, you know, 100 percent out. So, um you know, it's just it's a it's an amazing week. It's just it's just different. And if you've never been in that locker, and, and, I mean, shoot, it's different at work. For, you know, for people going to work, like, that's right. Like it's it's different. You know, and it's different <laughs> if you're going to practice. It's different if you're coaching. It's different if you're like I said. I don't I don't care what your job is. You're you know be, in any meeting I've had this week, the first five minutes is how's the game going to go. That's exactly right. You that's know, exactly so, right. So don't tell me it's not different.
0: That's exactly right. I, I mean, I can't tell you how many texts I've got. What's going to happen? What's the prediction? I already said it multiple times on the show this week, but. I'm not giving a prediction. It's, I don't do public predictions when it comes to this game. I'll give you all of the ins and outs of the matchups, but no predictions. Dylan McFarlane joining me, Colton Nuanas in studio. Nuwana is now. It's our Grizz Star of the Week here on ESPN Radio. One of the most fascinating parts about this game to me, Dylan, is... The Montana kids that played it, that played just completely outside of their minds. Like, we've seen some superhuman efforts by guys. Like, guys that are even great players, just playing so I mean, Brock Coyle in Bozeman in 2013. I mean, I I, I wrote a call, but I thought he was the MVP of the Big Sky Conference because of his effort that day. I thought it was that good. You know, 2019 back in Bozeman, with the, where this picture's from. Josh Hill, kid from Kalispell. For the Cats. I mean, played just outside of his mind, man. Unbelievable. But, I mean, is the juice that much for the in-state guys? I mean, do you feel like you can even take it to a different level that you can't really attain otherwise?
2: Yeah, and, you know, I'll, I'll actually compare it to, you know, playing in the NFL. There was guys that you did not want to play on Monday Night Football. Or you do not want to play on Thursday night football because they knew the light, bright lights were on. And when they were on, it was happening. You know, I mean, if it's Sunday at 10, 11 a.m., they're just getting through the motions. But, it, you know, and there's games that are hard to get up for. And at this point in the year, everyone's kind of banged up and hurt. Sure. It does not matter. I mean, it is bright lights are on. Everyone knows, everyone's watching you, whether it's your parents, your, you know, your high school, kinder, your high school teachers, kindergarten teachers, you know, everyone is watching you and and everyone knows that and so that that brings everything up a notch for sure.
0: Well you mentioned that you got got a healthy respect for guys like Adam Cordero and I think that that's the other thing I think sometimes gets lost on on the fans in this is that the reason the competition is so great is there is a healthy respect for the opponent you might, you're always going to have a thorn in your side for some guys you play against no matter who what team you're playing but by and large there's not actually a lot of hate amongst the players right this is kind of reserved for the fans and when you're done playing and maybe bragging rights down the line or whatever but I do think that that's one thing that maybe gets a little out of control. I think the fans go at each other a lot harder than maybe the
2: players hate each other. Yeah, I I I, I can see that for sure. I, and it's one of those things like you got to understand being a college kid, you know, I mean, you go sure. somewhere for, let's go to State, you go to Big Fork for Fourth of July. Right. You're running to half the Bobcat team. That's there. right. That's you right. You know, so you right. you've met, you know, That's you, right. know That's other, right. you know each other, you know, and, and there's, you don't read about those guys getting in fights. You don't read about getting in trouble. It's just, you know, you, you know each other. That's and right. so um, I do think there's a healthy respect there. I, I, I know for a fact that, you know, you're you're going to get after him a little harder than you got after someone else on the field, you know, but there is a definite respect there. Um, I mean, I always had respect for the, everyone I played against, but especially uh, those guys from Montana because they, they uh, you know, being a Montana kid, that brings something a little extra. There's been ebbs and flows throughout the history of this rivalry pretty
0: consistently. And right now, we're in the ebb or the flow, whichever one you want to call it, in which Montana State has the upper hand. It's been quite some time since that could definitively be said. And it's not quite as definitive as a lot of Bobcat people would like to believe, but uh, Bobby Houck's got the Grizz improving. I think this is an enormous game for sort of the the swing of the pendulum, both for in-state recruiting and momentum within the state and momentum throughout the Big Sky Conference as well. But as a former Grizz All American yourself, this must uh be stuck in your craw that Montana stays won four years in a row.
2: Yeah, yeah. And you know, especially that last one. Right. When you gotta sit on it for two years. I mean, and, that's a and, long
0: time. And uh I said this earlier. This is my sixteenth this will be my sixteenth CAC as a journalist, and uh I think I've been to 21 in a row and I've seen some lopsided margins. But all the lopsided margins were in favor of the Grizzlies. I've never seen... I've seen Bobcats win, but never the Bobcats in a blowout. And that was what was the most uh, striking about what happened in Bozeman 2019.
2: Yeah. And, you know, being a fan and, and a guy who watched a lot of football, that was a game where Troy Anderson wasn't playing. That's so right. You're thinking, hey, this is going to be a heck of a game. And then all of a sudden, it just gets away from you. And games get away from you. Um, but typically not this one. And so that's a long time for those guys to sit on both sides. You know, and you sit, you're sitting there for two years thinking about that game, that score... Um, you know, obviously the seniors on our team need a win yep. to say they won one time because it's like it's been a long time since a grizzly player's gone through and not won and, and that's where we're at right now. So that is to me, that's one of the, the best storylines in this game. Is a guy like Jason Lewis has done
0: everything and then some at Montana. I mean, he has gone from walk on from a class B school to Absolutely one of the best players in the country. He's worn number 37 with a tremendous pride and grace. I think taking over that number this year, considering the circumstances, considering he inherited that from his best friend, Jesse Sims, who tragically passed away last spring. Talk about the weight of the world on your shoulders, man. He's done it with so much grace and class. It's been unbelievable. And he's also playing at an All-American level right now. But the one thing that's missing from his resume is a win over the Cats. But then you look at a guy like Troy Anderson. I mean, he's the Paul Bunyan of Montana. He's like this mythical guy who's played every position on the field. And he has an opportunity to ride off in the sunset undefeated against the Grizz. So it's those little things where the legacy-defining moments for some of the guys that this is their last ride that's, I think, one of the, my favorite storylines in this game.
2: Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, as far as Troy Anderson goes, I saw him play as a freshman. I was like, shoot, we got to see this guy for three <laughs> years. And right. here we are five years later, he's still I playing. Know. I'm like, just be done, you <laughs> just know? be done, I know. Uh, and shoot, you know, guys start getting banged up in the cat game l- last week against Idaho. I'm like, hey, here's going to be 15 in the backfield again. Here we <laughs> go. You know, I'm just like, <laughs> right. we're, you know, these flashbacks. And it's just, uh, you know, guys, like you said before, they rise up, they play. I have no doubt those two guys are going to bring everything they got uh, um, it's going to be a heck of a game. Going to be flying around, hitting people, and in those two defenses, like I said, they're both lights out. I mean, they're as good as it gets at, at, at our level, and and uh, it's be fun to watch. Well, uh, the actual matchup itself. I think is uh,
0: marching toward a slugfest. I think that the uh, Vegas over under might be about thirty-five on this one. Yeah, I mean we might be looking at a, I don't know, a sixteen to twelve, a, a seventeen to fourteen. I mean this is going to be touchdowns going to be hard to come. I mean these are two of the best defenses that these two teams have had simultaneously in a long time.
2: Absolutely, and, and the defenses may outscore the offenses, frankly. Right. I mean those guys, like I said, they fly around on both sides, and like I guess 17-14, wouldn't surprise me, you know, 14 9 something. I mean, it's just between where the teams are at offensively, banged up a little bit, where those defenses are at flying around, a little bit of weather, uh, the crowd's going nuts, and, and, you know, you can see some low scoring game. And I say all that, and next thing you know, it's going to be 52 to 50. That's right. I guess I don't even know if either of these coaches would even let it
0: get to that point. I think, no, that, they, no. I, I think that they're both ready for a little <laughs> MMA within Washington yeah. Grizzly Stadium. We'll ask about these for you then. What, what, what's your take on the Grizz so far this year? Because they, they are, they're so such an interesting team because they left so much to be desired in certain elements of the game for about a month of the season. But I also think it's wild because Bobby Houck has been so consistent in in his expectation of excellence. And also, I love I personally think it's so good for Montana and so good for Missoula and so good for the university that Coach Houck settles for nothing less than perfection excellence, like he always says. If the Grizz are playing, it's a big game. If the Grizz are playing. That other team considers it a rivalry. All that said, because Montana is Montana and Bobby Houck is Bobby Houck, I actually don't think he's getting enough credit. The fact is, they've started 37 different players this year. They've had 19 different lineups. I never in my life thought I would see a Bobby Houck coached team with a freshman quarterback, a freshman running back, and two freshman receivers out there. You know, you play for Coach Houck. He yeah. doesn't want any freshmen anywhere near the field, but he's got 15 freshmen on his 2D. What I'm getting at is that I actually think that Bobby Houck has done an underrated job. I, I would actually think that Bobby Houck is one of the front runners, if not the
2: leader in the club for Coach of the Year at the Big Sky Conference. So. Yeah, you know, and, and Bobby's a heck of a coach. you, you got to remember, before he, before he left and, and went to a couple different other places, he's winning 9, 10, 11 games a year consistently. I mean,
0: they lost one conference game in four years. That's right.
2: amazing. It's tough. I you mean, it's, it's tough to do, You right? And so you get back to a situation, you know, I mean it's never your game plan to have freshman quarterback, freshman running back, backup freshman running back. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, the number of freshmen on the field, and guys that aren't even I mean, Junior Bergen was not even starting as a running back. Like, that's not where it's, it's <laughs> right. like <laughs> wasn't to come in there and be like, Now you're the guy. This is a lot for that coaching staff, you know, Justin Green, Coach Houck obviously. Um and that defense is you know, they get better and better. The coaches make great adjustments, I think, and they're 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 working hard. It's like you said, I mean Every year is different, but you never expect like, hey, we'll be starting our four string running back. That's not anywhere in plan A through Z. So you're, <laughs> right. you know, trying to figure things out and change over on the offensive line and guys bouncing around and, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's just a different crazy year. And they've done it, done a heck of a job. They're competitive every week. Um, they play hard. I mean, that's the thing. As a fan, as as a former player that you love to see, they always play hard. There's guys flying around. They take care of the ball. They do things right. They don't uh, have stupid penalties. You know, they're they're putting themselves in positions to win. And they're they're always going to be. Dog fights. They're not quite to the point yet where it's like, hey, we're dominant. We're going to win 48 to 6 every week. So. A heck of a job. Well, Coach Chuck loves himself a little 31-14. That's like his dream come true.
0: Like twenty-eight seven. That's how Coach Chuck likes to win. He, he's not yeah. in, he's not in it for a forty-five to whatever, unless it's forty-five nothing. He loves the right. zero in the uh, the defensive side. Dol McFarlane joining me in the studio, former Grizz offensive lineman here on Nuanas Now, what's your plan on Saturday? You got any Cat Grizz rituals you got going on?
2: You know, I, I really don't. Actually, this is I'm pretty excited. This is going to be the first week. Uh, my son's going to go to the game. So nice. Eight year old, to me the first Cat Grizz experience. He's pumped. He's going to learn all. Super, a you know, new words. all kinds of all kinds of <laughs> things that an eight year old probably doesn't need to know but it's uh, you know part of being a kid in Montana and, and uh, I'm excited about it I see lots of friends lots of family coming to town um, and I'm just you know it's just like I said a fun group we have a group that comes up from Bozeman and hangs out um, and meets up with us and it's, you know it's just it's a fun group of people it's, it's charged it's High energy, a lot of fun. Um, I'm just excited for it. It's going to be a great day.
0: Greatest week of the year, and uh, the reunion part of it is one of my favorite parts of the renewal of the rivalry. Thank goodness it's back. Dylan McFarlane, our Grizz star of the week. Thanks for coming by, man. Appreciate it. Man. man.
4: At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities to their networks in Montana and beyond.
0: So you're sad College Game Day isn't coming to Missoula? I got news for you. College Game Day has always been in Missoula. ESPN Missoula has been the proud host of our ESPN Twisted Tailgate all season long and for the last five years. So if you need someone to get all ready for Saturday's showdown with Montana State coming to the Garden City to take on Montana, swing on down and hang out with me, Colter nuanas and all my good buddies as we get you prepped for the 120th edition of the fiercest rivalry in college football. Our ESPN College Game Day comes to you live starting at 10. 10 a.m. on Saturday from the Chamber of Commerce parking lot. We will have drinks courtesy of the Badlander. Pepsi Cola will be on hand serving some beverages. We'll also have swag from all our great sponsors, including RV Truck Sales, Ryan Holloway and Miller, Alpine Touch, and Twisted Tea. Don't be sad. Come hang out with us at our ESPN Missoula College Game Day Twisted Tailgate beginning at 10 a.m. from the Chamber of Commerce parking lot. We'll see you there. Time now for our ESPN Roundtable, which is our long-form interview each week here on Nuana's Now we go to the Ringish Brothers RV phone line. Welcome in one of the the best guys I've ever come across when it comes to talking Big Sky Conference football. A guy I've missed dearly, and a guy that knows the ins and outs of the Kakeros rivalry about as well as anybody. It's Mike Kramer, four-time Big Sky Conference Coach of the Year, and a guy who spent multiple stints at Montana State coaching in this rivalry. Krams, what's going on, my man? How you doing?
5: her what in the world is happening on this great Cat Grizz week? Man, what a, what a what a deal this thing is setting up to be this coming Saturday.
0: Can't wait for it, man. First and foremost, before we get into some of the game and some of the Big Sky conference in general this year, what have you been up to? I haven't talked to you in a little while. We used to talk every single week on the Big Sky coaches call, but I haven't
5: talked to you in a minute. So how's, how's things been going? Where are you at? Well, we got done in uh, late March of 2017 and uh, been really involved with our families really really close we have two daughters and a couple grandkids and uh, we went through some tough times and we survived it and everybody's moving forward and now we're just hanging out enjoying life doing a little tractor driving which uh, feeds my farm boy gene, <laughs> and uh, hanging out with the former all big sky tight end blake wolf uh, and his family farm just uh, north here of Clarkson. so we live over in eastern washington we're around our friends and family and get a chance to Watch a lot of local football and a lot of TV, obviously, or a lot of big-scale football and ESPN. Plus. So, been fun. I feel like I'm pretty much now engaged again, and it's great to talk with you, man.
0: Well, so good to have you here, and uh, can't wait to get into some of this rivalry stuff. Actually, saw Blake Wolf at the game in Bozeman uh, this last weekend. He was in town, so <laughs> saw him for a minute, and it was good seeing him, too, for sure. Uh, but, Coach, let's start way back at the very beginning. You played your college ball at Idaho, so you have uh, known about rivalries against the Montana Grizzlies for quite some time. So, uh, just take us through kind of your perception of it. Well, the
5: first thing is, is it's my very first game uh, against the University of Montana was way back in uh, 1972. Maybe it was (laughs) 1872. But uh, in that game, we we beat the Grizzlies in Moscow. Uh, No dome, just no roof on the stadium. Call him A sophomore wide receiver scored three touchdowns that day, and it seemed like, okay, well, I'm at Idaho, and that's Montana, and Montana's on the skids a little bit, and and off we roll. And and lo and behold, uh, it was a pretty back-and-forth, give-and-take rivalry during my playing days. And at the same time, 200 miles from Missoula down at Bozeman, Sonny Holland was getting the Bobcat program on its feet all the way towards the 1976 National Division II Championship. So during the, my time as a player, I really got to see and w- participated in really and really helped the Grizzly football program rise while the Bobcats had risen to a pretty high height themselves. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty intimately involved. I've, I've played for a lot of guys who have Montana connections. Of course, Coach Erickson came to the University of Idaho in 1974 and he brought John McMahon out of montana tech and then McDenney was a high school coach out here in eastern washington at uh, my high school alma mater colton and won two back-to-back state championships and took the job at helena high school in helena montana when i graduated he said hey come on let's go (laughs) and uh we went and sandy went to school at carroll college and she's a fighting saint and uh and we were in montana then 77 through 82 as a high school staff able to look at both programs, how they ebbed and flowed a little bit. The Grizzlies, of course, uh, under Larry Donovan, were promising that they could get something better than Dornblazer, and it really didn't seem like it was on the horizon. In the meantime, the Bobcats were struggling a little bit. They, got, they let Sonny Lubick go, who's just an outstanding Montana person and a great Bobcat football coach, and who went on to Hall of Fame career down at Colorado State, and replacing him with a series of guys uh, uh, that that really weren't as attached to the program, maybe as maybe they should be. And Dave Arnold became the head coach in 1983, and we went <laughs> and hired me out, out the high school ranks, uh, and we went one to ten and. I never heard the Bobcats go one and ten ever. And the next year in '84, we got uh, lucky in a lot of ways and performed well in a lot of ways, and went on to win the national championship. And had to, to do that had to had to go through a, a great Cad Grizz game in Missoula, in which Marty Mornenweg, the erstwhile great Grizzly quarterback, uh, really staked the Grizzlies to a halftime league. and we had to make a comeback, come from behind. Win, uh, captivated by. Uh, Touchdown catch by Tom Mallum, a tight end out of Missoula, playing for the podcast. Of course, we went on uh, to win the uh, Big Sky Conference, go into the playoffs, play all home games, and then went all the way up to Charleston, South Carolina, and history was made. Well, in the meantime the Grizzlies had finally decided that uh, time to look for a, a new football coach. A couple of years later they hired Don Reed and of course uh, Coach Reed came in and along with uh, the Washington group was able to rent, to build the stadium on campus and all of a sudden things started to shake for the Grizzlies. They had a, a quarterback that who in 1985 had been a wishbone quarterback who in 1986 became a pro and all over the place quarterback who's still on the coaching staff at the University of Montana, Brent Pease. And Brent Pease along with Mike Rice who ran wide receiver screen the way no one had ever seen before, allowed the Grizzlies to rise, rise, rise. And of course, in an an epic game in Washington Grizzlies Stadium, uh, the Grizzlies were able to just thump the Bobcats in 1986, and a week later, we were let go. We probably deserved it, too, and the Grizzlies continued to rise. I had a couple shots at at the national playoffs there for a while, and then it still took a while for the Grizzlies to rise all the way to the top. It took the arrival of an unheralded quarterback in Dave Dickinson and the continued efforts of a, a great Grizzly coaching staff to push the Grizzlies to the 1995 national championship. And by the time that Dave was a senior, he'd established... That the rule changes in college football had made throwing the football down the field on every down, regardless of situation, something that everybody could be a part of. And it was just fun to watch and fun to see. And uh, they they really, really preferred at it. They were really, really good. Of course, Coach Reed retired and, and. Coach Denny, who had taken me to Montana in the first place, now becomes the head coach of the University of Montana. In the meantime, I'm now at Eastern Washington. I get a chance to play against both those programs in and out a little bit every single season. And uh, finally became a head coach in 1994. It still took us a while. We got a chance to play against the Grizzlies. In 1997, our stellar year at Eastern Washington uh, in Missoula, and we were able to get out of town with, with a win, and that really, really captivated or catapulted the Eastern Washington program uh, forward in its own right. And uh, that culminated, of course, in the 2010 National Championship, but go back to the University of Montana. The University of Montana, under uh, John Edwards in 2001, won a national title under Coach Dennehy, and, uh, it, and things were just, or under, under Coach Glenn, and things were just going fantastic uh, for the Gorillas. In the meantime, the Bobcats got mired in a cat-grizz ditch <laughs> that they just, they just couldn't find a way out. And finally, uh, after two years of trying, and when I became the head coach again at Montana State University in 2000, we found a way to make enough plays on a snowy Saturday afternoon, and uh, the rest was history. 10-7 was the final, and, and since then, the game has we said back and forth a little bit and in later years in the last couple of years it seemed like uh, the podcast have held sway over the Grizzlies in this game and so I know how Bobby feels I'm, I'm very close friends with Bobby uh, he's been one of those guys that from the day that I got let go at Montana State in 2007 he was a guy that's been on the phone texting me, calling me, making sure I'm okay for all my tractor driving, combine driving, all the travels and travails the family and stuff like that. And he stayed pretty tight. And uh, I, I've always deeply appreciated I consider him an outstanding friend. And I'm rooting very, very hard for Bobby. And I'm rooting very hard for both teams to have a great game on Saturday.
0: Well, so great to have you back, Coach. Mike Kramer joining us here on Nuwana's Now ESPN Radio. Your memory and your way to articulate it is just second to none, man. You're high. If you ever want to come out of retirement, you're hired. You can come hang out with us all the time if you ever want to. Uh, Mike Kramer joining us here on the ESPN Roundtable. It's Nuwana's Now. You can also find it at SWX Montana Television. Coach, you've been between your stops as an assistant at Montana State, head coach at Eastern Washington, head coach at Montana State, and head coach at Idaho State. You've had many matchups with both of these schools, uh, both as the head coach at Montana State but then also against the the Bobcats several times as well, but just compare and contrast, and do you remember some of the epic moments that you've had in each stadium? Because they are two of, if not the two best venues in the entire league.
5: Well, they certainly are, and and they weren't when I began this program. You know, I began being involved in this program. You know, Dornblazer was a, a, just a a temporary venue for a lot of years. The the thought was that they would be able to get to the stadium that they have now. I actually saw those plans on my recruiting trip in the fall of 1971. And it wouldn't be until the fall of 86 that that would get done. So in the meantime, uh, it just seemed like that was the yo-yo that just kept dragging down complete stabs and and generations of football and legions of football players at the University of Montana. And then when I became an assistant coach for Dave Arnold, in 83, it was the only game we won.
4: <laughs> That's
5: amazing. You, the only game you, you won is the Bob Grizz game. You're Mount going to win. <laughs> you're gonna win a game in this rivalry. You better win that game. And that, of course, allowed us to, to stay on site for the next year, uh, which culminated the national championship. And the year after that, in 1985, down in Bozeman, we won two games, which is one of the most uh, tremendous leaps up uh, in record. From '83 to '84, and one of the most precipitous falls from '84 to '85 I've ever heard of. You know, 12 and 2 to 2 and 9, but one of those two games, of course, came against the Grizzlies uh, in Bozeman, and we were able to win that ball game. And we had a short leash on life, I would say, because we really didn't get much better the next year. We we're a little young. on on defense, and uh, even though Kelly Bradley had been the MVP of the league and first-team All-American quarterback as a sophomore, the cast on the offense had changed so dramatically that by his senior season, he was no longer that kind of elite quarterback. And so, by the time we get to the Grizz game in 1986, man, we are hanging on. But I'll tell you a great story, though. So we we lined up in a in a defense in which our corners would go to the same side as the wide receivers, and the Grizzlies had played a lot of. Four wide receiver that year but they'd also played a little bit of tight end on the very first play of the game scott guernsey lines up at wide tight end in tight and that matched him up against our strong safety and of course uh britt peace took the took the snap went back and heaved it down the field to guernsey who outraged our safety for like a 90 yard i don't know it seemed like it was a thousand yard game in one play and we never recovered one play one great coaching move by by the Grizzlies and and, and a great, great execution on the play by Pease and by Guernsey. And uh, all those years that Scott was doing the, the Grizzly games with the color guys, I was thinking, God yeah, dang, that guy just got away from us on that play. He just he was a good football player and he made a great play. And it, it really elevated this whole event into something new because, of course, the stadium was new that year. And while the Bobcats were years away from making improvements to Reno Sales Stadium, which it was called then, uh, it, w- it helped motivate and kick a lot of people in the-, in the butt about A, Grizzly football, and then eventually Bobcat football. And now these are the two preeminent programs at our level in the United States.
0: They absolutely are. This is a top 10 showdown on Saturday, but I've been thinking that this is even more than that. I still think that no matter what happens on Saturday, these two teams are certainly Final Four contenders and and certainly in the mix for national championships. So, Coach, I know you've been following this a little bit. Uh, Do you have any any takes on uh, these two programs? Because I think yourself as a defensive guy, you must love the way that both these schools are playing defense right now. (laughs)
5: Well, both guys, both head coaches. You know, they start with hit teams and then they move to defense and then offense is something you wear like an overcoat. It's it's a necessary <laughs> Not that not that they both dissuade themselves from being offensive masterminds, but they certainly don't allow either offense to just go off, you know, and just do things that would endanger the other two aspects of the sport, and I, I think that's refined quality staff work, quality coaching, quality leadership, quality understanding of what it really, really does take. Yeah, there, there are guys like Mike Leach who can have a nice career regardless of how the defense is playing, but you can't. He hasn't, he hasn't shown that he can get to that elite, elite level. Whereas here we are two top ten teams uh, at the FCS level, and they're playing primarily on the basis of great defense, solid special teams, and an offense that really doesn't get in the way. And both offenses have had moments this season where they've been pretty darn good, and they have both struggled and it's been... a head scratcher for probably both coaching staffs, and that things have slowed down a little bit for the Bobcats, uh, and the Grizzlies have fought a disastrous uh, slew of injuries on 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 their offensive side of the ball. So, uh, on on the other hand, uh, both teams featured two uh, two or three of the all time great. Bobcat or Grizzly, defensive players that we'll, we'll be talking about for 50 years from now. You know, uh, the Anderson kid at, at, at Bozeman has just had an outstanding guy and uh, an outstanding career. And Robbie Hout is the second leading tackler in the Big Sky Conference, playing for his father um, in the secondary at the University of Montana. Both teams don't make mistakes on defense, both teams don't gamble on defense. Both teams would love to make this game again another 10 7 uh, backyard. <laughs> Some people
0: say uh, phone booth. I say chicken booth, chicken coop. Fight. They want to fight and scratch and claw and dig at each other until uh, one of them's laying in the corner squawking. ESPN Roundtable. Long time Big Sky Conference football coach Mike Kramer joining us here on Nuance Now, 102.9 ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television. And, Coach, I want to circle back to something you said there that I find I have found so fascinating in my time covering this stuff is the paramount and sometimes ultimate nature that – both sides, both athletic departments put on this game, and we've seen it pretty much consistently uh, over the last 25 to 30 years where if you're taking care of business against the rival, everything else is almost secondary. And I know that there was spurts of time where Montana was taking care of the rival as well as competing on a national level. But we've seen multiple Bobcat coaches uh, that can't get over the top against the Grizz and that be the end of their time at Montana State, regardless of whatever else they do. We've seen it at Montana as well. Bob Stitt was in the playoffs two, years, two times in three years. That's definitely not the standard at Montana, but it wasn't as if he was having multiple losing seasons in a row, Yeah, he couldn't get over the top against the Cats, and that was a defining factor in him as well. So, what do you think of that dynamic of it? Is it too emphasized amongst uh, the successful football team, or how do you balance the rivalry with then chasing national prominence and playoff runs?
5: Well, culture. there's a lot of things that go <laughs> into what, what your question is framed as. And I, I think I can best answer it by saying that for some reason, and it's a phenomenon, sport has become important, and the existential reach of what sport outcomes can be cloud (laughs) a lot of the real things that are really, really important to a lot of, to both schools. And what happens is (laughs) you win, everything is good. You lose, everything's bad. It's just that simple. It just can't, it just can't, you can't couch it in any, (laughs) in any other terms other than to say that, Hey, there's no record. There's no previous, there's no excuses. You either do or don't period, period, period. And with that being said, I think every coach that's taken a job, as a head coach and as assistant coach, at either one of the two schools, know what's at stake. They have, and it's just it's just the way it has gone. And I I think those 16 years, or 17 years, or whatever it was, I think it accentuated, uh, made it hyper important. That somehow, some way, something like that doesn't get away again. And now we find uh, the Grizzly fans chewing on their fingers, chewing on their fingernails, <laughs> biting their kids' head off. Hey, hey. Um, <laughs> not not really. Uh, and, and you find Bobcats thinking, "Oh God, maybe this is not the year we're going to continue on in our domination." Hopefully, we can. Hopefully, we'll do it right. And we got a new head coach. You know, Brett's never been involved in this yet, so I'm sure that he's had some conversation with people he considers to be close friends. Good, good boosters, great advisors.
0: We might have lost Mike Kramer, ESPN Roundtable, SWX Montana Television, as well as ESPN Radio. What a phenomenal storyteller. I forgot how much I missed talking to that guy. We do have a few minutes left, so we're we'll trying to get Coach Kramer back just to put a bow on this thing real quick. But the ESPN Roundtable is presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula, Paradise Falls, 30 draft beers, 18 big screen TVs, breakfast, lunch, dinner. They got early and late happy hour. It's a great place to go watch and hang out. You can get yourself some lunch, then maybe, you know, sample a beer, watch multiple different college football games. They'll have all sorts of college and high school action going on down there all weekend, Then, uh, obviously on Sunday the NFL as well. Paradise Falls, the proud presenter of the ESPN Roundtable. Go check them out at 3621 Brook Street in Missoula, Paradise Falls. Missoula's coolest hot spot. We got Mike Kramer back. Coach, sorry we got cut off there for a minute, but it, it is the phenomenon of it all, and, and maybe the, the higher priority on uh, winning rather than all the other benefits that come from sport. A fascinating
5: thing. And it's and, uh, you know, I, I think it, it gets emphasized a little bit more and more every year, and that's good. You know, both both teams, both schools have put a tremendous amount of resources into making their facilities showcase um, their football team's talent. And so there's always a lot riding on every Saturday at home, let alone uh, this Saturday, w- whether it's in Missoula or in Bozeman. And I think that's, in re- really, culture, it's really fun. It really is fun. You know, e- even... Uh, And we lost there in 2004 and then again in 2006. And on the way home, the last thing I was was suicidal about it because I knew we had played well. We were playing against a great program, a great heritage, and awesome fans. And that's the Grizzly fans have taught the Bobcat fans how to beat. They really have. Uh, I couldn't wait to go into cruisley stadium when i was an assistant coach at eastern washington after the stadium had really gotten rocking and rolling and it was fun it still is it's still a, a great place to go and the bobcats have just emulated that uh not just with facilities and not just with money but with uh, enthusiasm and <laughs> vocals and the band and everything everything's good so uh, i'm pretty proud of the fact that both schools are doing so well and i'm looking forward to a great game on saturday
0: Absolutely a great game. Two more things for you, Coach. Thanks so much for spending time with us. It's been awesome talking to you. Love catching up. Love listening to your stories. <laughs> but you mentioned Brent Vegan, though, and Coach Vegan's done a phenomenal job at Montana State in year one. I think that the biggest piece of credit you could give him is, is how steady-handed he has been. It's very fun to watch him coaching games because he is so objectively different than so many of the guys I've been around at the Montana schools. And uh, he, But his ability to get his playmakers the ball has been very impressive. His ability to absolutely Ride. the awesome defense that they have that's led by Troy Anderson and, and spearheaded by Chase Benson, one of the best interior guys in the league has been awesome. But, Coach, he has never coached in this game before. What's it like going in the belly of the beast in Missoula for the first time?
5: <laughs> you know what? I know a lot of words, buddy. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, it's something. You know, it's, uh, it, it begins... You know, really, as that, as that last seconds took off the clock of the last game last Saturday night, and by Sunday, you know, you've already got that pit in your stomach, and then by Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, you know, you're trying to do everything you can to, you know, stay the course, be a leader, show your people that it's not going to be that, you know, it's not going to be that uphill. And then on Friday, uh, as you roll down to Missoula, you just have to enjoy the trip and look out there and and see lots of other people doing lots of other things that are probably not gonna really care about. On <laughs> because by the time you get into town on, on Friday night, it seems like now everybody's aiming at you. So to me and because it's not akin to combat. It's not akin to a battle. It's not it's not war. It's exercise of your opportunity athletically to the utmost and the most extreme at our level. And I just think that's that's the most fun. That's what you. That's why you coach. You know, there's a lot of other games this Saturday in the Big Sky Conference. A lot of other teams are playing. And they will not even come close to what this is all about. And that's why this thing, where it's scheduled and how it's scheduled, uh, just keeps the season alive for everybody all the way down to the bitter end. And I know you, know, you talk about Ohio State, Michigan, and Texas, Oklahoma. You can go on to, you know, Florida, Alabama, or whatever. You can keep going on and on and on. But this one is personal. This one is about grade school kids wanting to grow up to be bobcats or grizzlies. This is about junior high kids deciding where they want to go to college when they get in at their, after they get out of high school based upon who's been successful and the perception that that maybe places more well run or better run. So a, lot's going, a lot comes out of this game that's not just about the doggerel of the win loss record.
0: No doubt about it. Uh, awesome perspective. Last thing for you then, Coach. Mike Craper, joining us here on Nuanas Now ESPN Radio, SWX, Montana Television. This game, what do you think, will, not to the deciding factor, but what could be the thing that tips the pendulum? Because to me, when I look at it on paper, break it down, there's a, a lot of advantages on each side. I think that each side has distinct advantages in terms of matchups and things like that. When it all plays out, I think it's basically a stalemate. So what is the thing that can make the pendulum swing one way or the other in the favor of these two teams
5: on Saturday? culture and the history of this thing, and not just the recent history, but the overall history of this thing, it has come down to one little thing at the very end. What was it, four years ago when uh, the Montana State defense lineman was able to cause a fumble on the goal line as the Grizzlies were going in for the go-ahead touchdown? Was that two years ago? That was 2018,
0: so that's the last time the game was in Missoula. My goodness.
5: So with that being said, I, I, I think of everything, you know, all the plays. I can remember almost every single play for all the years I've coached in this game. And I can remember that play in and of itself. And so I just, maybe it's the last play. (laughs) Seriously, this could be a last play deal because the defenses are pretty tight. The kick teams are very solid. Um, The offenses are not, they're not Eastern Washington level, but they're also going to be, Coached and led by guys who are going to be pretty dang careful. I mean, you say turnovers, but well, turnovers can be in a lot of forms. They can, they can come into the wind. They can come at the end of a quarter or at the end of a half. They can come in a three and out or a four and out. You know, you can you can call them not necessarily a fumble or an interception. They just cause something to all of a sudden swing the momentum. But for the Bobcats to, to hold on, hang on, hang in there, hold on, hang in there, hang in there for 59 minutes and 20 seconds or whatever it was, to cause the game-winning fumble in the last play, epitomizes exactly what this game can be about for both teams. You can never, ever say it's over. You can never, ever say, oh, we don't have a chance. Because... The fans will be there. The fans will be rolling. Your emotions will get the most of you. And then emotional run out. Coaching will run out. And then athletic ability will run out. And all that's going to be left then is guts. And so, I don't know how you measure guts. I wish I, I, wish I knew. <laughs> I wish I, you know, put a dipstick in a kid and say, okay, well, he's got 95% guts or 98% guts. You never know until you get in this game and you can make these kind of plays. And since... This game is now being played in, in front of a—I wouldn't say COVID-less society, but a you know a COVID-restricted society. It's still not quite going to be the fearsome crowd that we've come to expect with this game. Hopefully, you know, in years to come, everybody will either get vaccinated or this thing will disappear, and we'll be able to get back to what we consider to be normal—the third you know, third last Friday in November. Cat grizz.
0: Can't wait, man. You got me all pumped up already. Thanks so much for joining us, Krams. You're the man. Hope to talk to you soon. I'll be in touch with you, but appreciate you taking so much time here today.
5: Great, culture love you. You do a great job. You got a great show. You got a great piece of Montana with you now. And I loved everything you guys are doing. So thanks very much for having me on.
6: Sad
0: College Game Day isn't coming to Missoula. I got news for you. College Game Day has always been in Missoula. ESPN Missoula has been the proud host of our ESPN Twisted Tailgate all season long and for the last five years. So if you need someone to get all ready for Saturday's showdown with Montana State coming to the Garden City to take on Montana, swing on down to hang out with me, Colton, Nuñez, and all my good buddies as we get you prepped for the 120th edition of the Fiercest Rivalry in College Football. Our ESPN College Game Day comes to you live starting at 10 a.m. on Saturday from the Chamber of Commerce parking lot. We will have drinks courtesy of the Badlander. Pepsi Cola will be on hand serving some beverages. We'll also have swag from all our great sponsors including RV Truck Sales, Ryan Holloway and Miller, Alpine Touch and Twisted Tea. Don't be sad. Come hang out with us at our ESPN Missoula College Game Day Twisted Tailgate beginning at 10 a.m. from the Chamber of Commerce parking lot. We'll see you there. Well, happy now. Happy now. For our latest, across the sideline, and this one, a big one, because it's the biggest game of the year in the state of Montana. Montana State travels to Montana to play the Grizzlies. A couple top seven teams, couple playoff scenarios. We're joined now by Brent Vegan, the head coach of the Montana State Bobcats. And coach, welcome to your first rivalry week. How you feel it?
3: I'm uh, feeling good. You know, I uh, when we laid out uh, what we hope this season will maybe look like, you know, I, I'd like to think we're exactly where we want to be. You know, knowing this game um, sat at the end of the regular season, obviously, the I think the rivalry and the, the Great Divide trophy, the, you know, everything there speaks for itself. But then to have, um, you know, a conference title on the line, um, certainly, you know, seating uh, for the playoffs on the line, um, you know, I don't think we could ask for a better scenario. Did
0: you have any perception of the Montana-Montana State rivalry before you got to Montana State?
3: Well, it certainly knew it, it, it existed. Have, you know, played against both schools twice each, I guess. Um, but beyond that, uh, maybe anything I would have known, I probably would have assumed. I guess so. Uh, it was made pretty clear to me right from the get-go. You know how much it matters, and then, honestly, that doesn't surprise me one bit. Uh, you know, growing up in a state where the university and the state university are the the highest teams, I guess. There's no pro sports. Um, you know, it's 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 made made for this. You know, it's made for this to be the showcase. Uh, you know, for the state, and especially a state like Montana, where where football um, is so important. And you know, um, it's very comparable to North Dakota. That rivalry, I, I think, is in the rear rear mirror, it's a long it's it's not what it was by any means. And, and this one has stood the test of time. Um, you know, and, and I think with where we're both at right now, ranked in the top seven, um, boy, it's certainly shaping up to be a great a great matchup.
0: Brent Vegan joining us. Montana State plays at Montana. High noon. Washington Grizzly Stadium. The 120th edition of the Cat Grizz rivalry. And coach, you mentioned it there in your press conference, but I think it's a a fascinating dynamic when it comes to trying to handle it. It, 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 The fact that so many people that support these two programs, they want to beat the other side as badly as anybody. That support is great, but sometimes it maybe even overwhelms the bigger picture. So how do you sort of balance that? Because there is a lot of passion behind it. I'm sure you love that. But also, this is not an end all be all game
3: no that's right I I, you know it it's important um there's a a great deal of importance you know put on this game um keeping that trophy here in Bozeman um but it's not our last game either um you know so we have to we have to go in with a plan that we're going to win this football game and, and there's a lot of reasons we need to win this football game um because this rivalry is not just this one Saturday in November it's it's an everyday affair you know, across the state, and, and certainly, you know, um, we want to we want to have the upper hand, and, and you know, we want all our guys, you know, no matter where they're from in Montana, they to go back home and and be able to you know wave the flag, wear the colors, and, and you know, I, I think that that's very important. And um, you know, we're pouring ourselves into this game, you know, for for all the reasons, the rivalry, the, the Conference championship, the seating, i mean, all that comes into play—and you know, I'm just excited that we do have all all that to play for. And, and you know, um, shoot, there's beyond small towns being divided, there's families divided across across the state. I, and we we have a couple a couple unique situations on our team, so it's uh, you know, look forward to it. And, you know, these type of uh, opportunities—you know—it's really what what college football, college sports you know, all are, are all about, and, and I, I'm certain there's not too many across the land in whatever sport that uh, could compare the intensity, the, important, the importance that uh, that is brought out of the broad of the wild. One of my
0: favorite parts about just this game in general is the guys that are from in-state, and sometimes, a lot of times, those guys play all the way outside of their minds. I mean, superhuman efforts because it is such a big deal, something they've been dreaming about since they were little kids. How do you channel that, though, as a coach?
3: Well, uh, that's a good point. You know, I, I think you uh, you still each player has to play within the confines of um, what you're asking them to do. And but you you know if you can get uh, you know that max execution um, coupled with max effort, uh, there's no better Saturday to have that occur. And, and you know I, I think we got a, a group of guys. No one's going to go out there and try too hard. I don't even know what that means. Um, you know I, I think our guys need to still keep the mindset that we we do every week that each play is its own um, you know good or bad you gotta you gotta go play the next play you gotta um, you know trust your teammates um, trust your coaching you know um, and I, I think those principles no matter who we play ring true and if um, you know we squeeze a little bit more out of a few guys and, and it shouldn't just be our Montana guys either. You know, all, all our guys on our team represent Montana State, and, and you know, it, it can be any one of our guys that, that steps up and adds themselves to the long history of this game.
0: Across the sideline, presented in part by Mike Nugent and Berkshire Hathaway Real Estate, your local real estate experts. And coach, let's talk a little bit about this matchup. Brent Vegan, by the way, joining us, Montana State head football coach here on Nuanas Now ESPN Radio. The uh, last couple Bobcat Grizzly showdowns have included Montana State running the ball with authority and uh, really dominating the physical element of the game. I know you guys still maintain that identity. You want to run the ball. But what do you think of just the challenge of your run game against a team that's, I think, in the top five in the country in rushing yards allowed, a really ferocious defense that's front for the Grizzlies?
3: Well, it'll be, uh, it'll be a challenge, no, no question. I, you know, I look at the makeup of their team and how they do things. It's, it's stop the run. It's get after the passer. Um, you know, I think to be as balanced as possible on offense, and that's, you know, that's who we want to be as well. So, you know, in games like this, um, it comes down to the discipline, the pad level, um, you know, to being the more physical team. Um, there's no, there's no doubt about that, and you know their their scheme and their players for that matter on on defense. You know they really they really pose some problems. Um, you know they're they're very aggressive with their scheme and they have players within that scheme that uh, play very aggressively and, and make plays. You know we have to be again we have to be disciplined. We have to play with good pad level in our in our schemes. Not uh, try to do too much. You know and 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 do the things that. I, you know, we don't have to, I guess, create a whole new way of doing things this week. If, if we do the things we we want to do well, you know, I think we're gonna like what we like what we get out of that. If we if we don't do them well um, for whatever reason, then it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a struggle because uh, you know, they have a good team and, and you know they're not just a a team made up of this great defense. That's just a portion of what they do well. They they've been effective enough on offense and then special teams wise, they've made a ton of plays as well.
0: Well, let's talk about the special teams because I do think that's a huge element in this game. A lot of times the momentum can swing on the special teams. Both these teams have been outstanding on special teams this year. So how much of a priority is that when you're preparing for this matchup?
3: Well, it is week week in, week out for us. I I think what we've done well is we've really covered well. And I think as of late, um, you know, Bryce has really punted the ball well. You know, I, I think from a return perspective, um, you know, that's where I, I think they've really done an excellent job. I know they've, they've blocked some kicks as well. So we got to be. We got to have our guys positioned well, um, and, and certainly playing playing with passion. Um, you know, I think we got to be ready for for whatever in a game like this. Um, you know, uh, whether that's blocks, fakes, anything and everything to come from from the Grizz. And and we, you know, we just got. We have to play our our game, and a lot of that's just about you know, it's about trust and effort. And, and um, you know, we've had we have a lot of our starters that uh, you know make up the depth of our special teams, and they understand that that plays every bit is important as the next play they might have on offensive defense. And that, that mindset isn't changing. I'm certainly hopeful we can get uh, close of return in the mix. Um, we've been close a few times, but in a game like this, close isn't going to cut it. So, you know, it'll be, it'll be really important. And that swing in special teams from a field position perspective, you know, along with turnover margin, will be huge factors in this game.
0: When it comes to Bobby Houck, I know that you guys probably had some crossover when you were at Wyoming and he was at San Diego State. Any other times you guys have crossed paths and, and how would you just describe Coach Houck's coaching style and the, and the sort of the identity of the program he's built at Montana?
3: Uh, well, I we'll certainly recognize uh, the success he had um, in his first stint. Um, you know, and By the time we had gotten to Wyoming, I think that was his last year at UNLV, so we didn't play that year. But then, you know, his, his time at San Diego State. Um, you know, we had some we had some big matchups, in particular going back to '16 when when they beat uh, they beat us for the Mountain West Championship after we had beat them in the regular season. And you know, um, I'm certain his time there made an impact. Uh, you know, on the things that he really valued, um, San Diego State is uh, an excellent program that, uh, while at Wyoming, I had a tremendous amount of respect for because, you know, their combination of, of what they did um, offensively, defensively, and special teams um, was, uh, you know, what allowed them to be as consistent as any program in that conference during that stretch, you know, and they're, they're still, um, shoot, they're ranked right now, I think, and have one loss, and that's continued on, you um, with, with Coach Hoke there. So, you know, I, I that's that's probably the biggest matchup. I know I worked with Pete Calagas, uh, who had worked for Coach Hoke that that first stretch at Montana so got to maybe know him just on the fringe a little bit there um and again no more more of him it's just a you know um, hard nose I know he was a special teams guy while he was out at San Diego State and you know certainly um he's got his fingerprints all over his team in his second uh, second run here at Montana and has, has brought them back to prominence in, in pretty short order.
0: Brent Vegan joining us here at ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. Coach, you guys have such an awesome young and up-and-coming coaching staff. Both your coordinators and their first time as full-time Division I coordinators. Montana, on the contrast, has such a veteran coaching staff. What do you think of just the dynamic of that? And what have you thought of just overall your guys and their ability to handle this first season uh, as first-time coordinators?
3: Yeah, that's a that's a great point, Coulter. Yeah, you look at their staff—tons um, of experience, tons of uh, you know a successful experience um, that, that that he's been able to assemble there in Missoula, and, and you know I I'm I'm certain that's the 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 model that that he wanted to to bring this this program back to where where it was when he left it. I know, know for us, um, you know, I I felt like in the two hires that I made at coordinator, um, hired guys that, that I knew, you know, felt like in my heart were ready for this opportunity, um, that I put a lot of trust into and, and you know, I've really appreciated their their efforts, not only on game days, but their leadership of the staff and in the, the respective sides of the football from a week week to week perspective. You know, I know we have a, a blend of, of five, you know, new guys per se and, and five guys that were on the previous Previous staff and and how that's all come together together um, is is certainly credit to both coordinators making making it work and you know I, I think at the same time you know our, our players have been open minded and bought into you know what was a significant amount of change I think at the end of the day and and really ran with it so. We're in this position because of the players trusting, but the coach is really leading. And, and, you know, while it hasn't been perfect, nothing is. uh, I've been really pleased with, uh, you know, how those two guys have, uh, you know, shown out their first year. Brad
0: Vegan joining us here on ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. And two more things for you, Coach. One, I was getting a little sad last week because Chase Benson and Troy Anderson are two of my favorite players I've ever covered at any school in the Big Sky Conference. I just think those guys are awesome. I think their work ethic, their dedication, and just how tough they are been tremendous. But I just want to ask you specifically about those two because it seems like they've really been the heart and soul of your defense. And this is probably going to be a very emotional and special moment for them on Saturday. So what are your hopes for those two guys in their final Bobcat Grizz game?
3: Well, first off, that they, they can leave this deal undefeated in that game. Um, that's that's the first thing. I'm sure that's the first thing they would both say as well. But, I, you know, those two, um, week in, week out, have been so impactful. And, you know, two different deals as far as, you know, the recognition, I, I think uh, – you know, Troy's, I think he's out there running sideline to sideline. You know, it's, it's pretty easy for anybody in the stands to see the impact that, that he makes um, all over the place. You know, and then on the flip side, um, you know, Chase has, has been, you know, such a key component, and he's probably where it begins for us. You know, his ability to disrupt up front. Um, allows us to do, you know, different things as you move on back, um, you know, linebackers into the secondary. And, and you know, um, toughness, um, unselfishness, um, you know, when, when both of them speak, you know, everybody's going to listen, you know, because when they do speak, it uh, it's something that, that matters, something that is from the heart, something that, that it comes out of, you know, their, their experience um, being young players and, and being a, a big part of, Um, the build here. And, and, you know, they want nothing more than to, I I know, leave this place better than they they found it. And they're going to do that, you know, but I, I know they have, you know, they have big things in mind. And one of them, you know, is certainly, you know, for their careers to, to say that they they never lost in this game. And, um, you know, that's that's what's right in front of us. There's there's things beyond that. Um, you know, I think for both of them to, you know, to, to be conference champions, um, I think would be really important and then, you know, see where we can take this beyond that. But, um, you know, they're all about this program, all about the team, and, and, and they've given so much. And, and, you know, hopefully we can just continue this on for both of them and the remainder of that uh, that very special group of, Fifth and sixth year guys that we have.
0: Well, last thing for you, Coach. The fact is that both these teams, at least in my estimation, are playoff teams already. And so there's a lot on the line in this game. But what sort of vault do you think this could give you into the postseason? And, and how big would that be uh, if you guys want to fulfill the goals that you have on your mind?
3: Well, it'd be huge. I, I think we've, you know, we looked at a, a late. Season schedule that included a trip to Ogden, a trip to Cheney, and then a trip to Missoula, and you know, uh, with a couple games at home in between, and we've been able to find a way on those other two road trips to to win games, you know, or beat teams. I guess that this team hadn't; these guys hadn't beat uh, beaten, and, and you know, here sits the biggest one of them all. Um, and I know I think it would be a, a tremendous uh, boost, and and. and you know, I know our guys respect the Grizz and their ability and what they've they've done this year and, you know, understand that we're going to have to play play really well. And, and that'll be the same moving forward as, as we, we get those opportunities um, in the playoffs. And, and you know, I, to some degree, I, I think we've probably felt like, you know, uh, we've been playing playoff football for a little while now, and and, and this is the next one up, and this is the most important one that we've had at this point. Um so, you know, we got to go out and, you know, rise the occasion, take on a, a very good team, a, a, a tremendous challenge in a hostile environment. And, you know, you make it through games like this, you continue to you know galvanize, I guess, what type of team you have. And, and just uh, that, that inner belief is, is you know, that it builds that much more.
0: Well, Coach, we appreciate you taking so much time. I know it's a very busy week for you, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you this weekend. In the meantime, best of luck with all the preparation and all the hype, and best of luck on Saturday.
3: All right. Thanks a Colter. Go Cats.
4: At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities to their networks in Montana and beyond.
0: So you're sad College Game Day isn't coming to Missoula? I got news for you. College Game Day has always been in Missoula. ESPN Missoula has been the proud host of our ESPN Twisted Tailgate all season long and for the last five years. So if you need someone to get all ready for Saturday's showdown with Montana State coming to the Garden City to take on Montana, swing on down and hang out with me, Colter Duanez, and all my good buddies as we get you prepped for the 120th edition of the fiercest rivalry in college football. Our ESPN College Game Day comes to you live starting at 10 a.m. on Saturday from the Chamber of Commerce parking lot. We will have drinks courtesy of the Badlander. Pepsi Cola will be on hand serving some beverages. We'll also have swag from all our great sponsors, including RV Truck Sales, Ryan Holloway and Miller, Alpine Touch, and Twisted Tea. Don't be sad. Come hang out with us at our ESPN Missoula College Game Day Twisted Tailgate beginning at 10 a.m. from the Chamber of Commerce parking lot. We'll see you there. Coming to you now from the SWX Montana studios on Tuesday still, but we're playing this on a Thursday. My good friend, Sean Rady, the sports director at SWX Montana (laughs) joining me and, uh, Everybody gets so bent out of shape on which order you say the game in, so I'm not saying any of that this year. I'm calling this State Championship Week, because it is State Championship Week at all levels of football, including at the collegiate level. That way we can't get in any trouble, because I'm so tired of people saying, well, you say Grizz Cat, you going for the Grizz? You say Cat Grizz, you going for the Cats? I'm not going for either of them, but this is a fun time of year, man, and uh, welcome, in. Thanks so much for being with us.
6: Yeah, of course. Yeah, a lot, uh, a lot going on. We had to figure out how we're going to attack all of Saturday, because... State championship in Florence, we got one in Thompson Falls, we got Hamilton's playing over in Laurel, um, it's just, uh, we got a lot going on.
0: Of course, with the one on Friday night yeah. here in Missoula, too, featuring Missoula, Sentinel, and Billings West, a rematch of last year's state championship game as well. I was thinking about that earlier today, I was thinking how covering high school sports is awesome, we both love it. Covering state championship high school sports is the best. It's so great, and it's the raw emotion that follows after those games. But I was thinking, how it is too? It is sort of unfortunate that these the the rivalry game at the college level and then the uh, state championship games overlap. Because I'm sure, like you're probably sending some reporters from SWX Montana out to cover these games on Saturday, and they're feeling left out that they're not getting to the Grizz game. But it's like that's you know. All this this stuff is so fun to cover. I just I think it's unfortunate that sometimes like Class A and Class B have to share the spotlight with the Bobcat Grizzly game.
6: Well, think about all the all the cats and grizz fans too that right. are a part that play football or are parents of kids on the teams. Like we got to figure this out. Like right. just play it at the same at the same location or the, all the games at the opposite location. But having them all like spread out on the same day, yeah, it sucks. Me personally, I, I feel like you just you could play the class Class B. State title game at noon on Friday at, at the location. So we go Washington Grizzly at noon, Florence, Big Fork. At 3.30, we're going Class A, and at 7.30, we're going Class AA. And then in the morning, you play the two uh, Class C school games and then just have Cat Grizz kick off at like 3, and boom, you're good.
0: This is a great idea. Washington, uh, in the state of Washington, they do, um, all the tournaments or all the championships, excuse me, at the Tacoma Dome. So it is really cool too. It's so good for the kids too, because all the media exposure, because then everybody gets a chance to see what's going on. Everybody can follow everything. So I agree. I think that we need to figure out something, but it is a little bit more manageable this week because, uh, they're all sort of close by at least. So uh, before we get into the college rivalry, pretty sweet that Missoula Sentinel's hosting this game. We, there's not there's only been one state championship game hosted in Missoula since I moved to Missoula when I was a little kid. I was like your kid's age when I moved here, and there's only been one. I didn't I've never been to a state championship game in Missoula. So this is pretty cool with Billings West coming town Friday night.
6: Yeah, and it's almost just like meant to be with, with right? Sentinel and West. Like It was a collision course last year for the state title game, and then it's just such an epic game in week one. It was just back and forth in the second half, and it was just crazy. And By far, you know, the two best teams in the state. And the fact that they get to play again, and this time in Missoula, is just awesome. It's going to be an incredible night. We're going to be just kind of doing all of our sports live, you know, from there. And then uh, that game will wrap up, and about you know five six hours after that, we'll be live bright and early in the morning from Washington Grizzly Stadium, getting ready for Brawl of the Wild. So it's not going to be a lot of sleep this weekend, but it's uh, we can we can sleep when the season's over.
0: That's exactly right. This is what we live for, and uh, will be re- very fun uh, with all those high school games coming up. Again, Missoula Sentinel hosts Billings West on Friday night, and then Florence hosts Big Fork Saturday afternoon. Hamilton plays in Laurel on Saturday afternoon, and Flint Creek that's the Drummond Phillipsburg Co-op. They head over to Thompson Falls Saturday afternoon. The six-man game, Freud Lake at uh, Power Dutton Brady. Is that right?
6: Yep. So we'll be covering that game as well. Um, Our our man Elijah Collins up in Great Falls will be covering that one. So we'll have them all covered for sure.
0: Well, you can find all that stuff at SWX Montana. We'll have all the recaps on Nuwana's now next Monday as well. So very much look forward to that. All right, let's talk about this one. The 120th rendition of Montana State and Montana in Missoula. Bobcats on a four-game winning streak. Cats have won six out of the last ten. Since the streak ended in 2002, it's 9-9. Nine to nine, So this is basically pretty much even. This is for like bragging rights of the century, basically, on Saturday. And it's for bragging rights across the board, all the way across the board, as it is each and every year. But got the number three Bobcats coming to Missoula to play the number seven Grizzlies. I was thinking about this. I was looking at the rankings of the 2019 game. Montana was ranked number three that week, and Montana State was ranked number eight. So basically a flipping of that script almost identically. Montana was also coming off of an incredibly impressive win over Weber State, where uh, Montana State had sort of struggled and then taken care of a couple uh, pretty easy opponents in Southern Utah and Northern Colorado in the weeks before the Bob Kankeriz game. But I think that the parallels kind of end there only because it's been years since we've seen one of these things. So we we'll get to some of the key matchups, but what do you think of just this game overall? And uh, is there one side or the other that this is bigger for?
6: Oh, it's definitely bigger for Montana. They a- got to
0: snap the streak, right?
6: Yeah, it's not even close.
0: And but particularly also because the Cats already have nine wins. Like the Cats are a playoff seed no matter what happens. It's not that this isn't a big game, but it's the difference between probably the two seed and like the seven seed for the Cats, whereas this is the difference between a seed and not a seed probably for the Grizz.
6: Yeah, Montana's got to be kicking themselves because, I mean, I, I think if, if Cam Humphrey plays in the Sac State game, they win that one. And you have a chance if if Cole Grossman comes down with the catch at Eastern. Like if you win one of those games, you're sitting pretty. And and everything is you know, there's not as much pressure going into this one. But obviously with the streak, it just year after year, it just amplifies the pressure, right? Because everybody, you know, it's been just so long now and, and Grizz fans need that win. Um it's it's the champion center has that little little location that has the spot for the Continental Divide trophy, and it's never... It's just been <laughs> sitting there, yeah. And so, um, obviously, you know, that's that's the pressure there. I think it's fascinating from, like, the, the non-X's and O's. Just, like, the motivational edge. Like, whenever you're trying to, like, handicap a game, and you're trying to use all of the other external things, like, does the... Like, motivationally, you'd be like, oh, well, the Grizz haven't won in so long, and they're at home. Like, they're going to come out the more desperate team. They're going to be, you know, fighting harder to get it, which is true. But then also, like, because of the streak, like, the pressure is mounting. And so I think it's... And because
0: of a new head coach, too.
6: Yeah, and so, like, I I just think... uh, I don't know. It's going to be very interesting. And I think it all depends on the momentum shifts in the game and how I think the narrative... Like, I think if, if Montana State starts imposing their will a little bit in the run game... I think a lot of doubt is going to start creeping into the Montana sideline, the, the stands, and it's going to get, you're going to start thinking of a couple of years ago, and it's really, that that the pressure is going to really shift. But I think if Montana's able to come out, play well early, I think that hunger for ending the streak, for getting the trophy to Missoula. I think that's only going to add to the the fire of the momentum. So I think we talk about momentum a lot in these games, and, and you kind of mentioned it when you came on our, our TV show. I think if the Grizz can use momentum in this game, it's going to be a, a massive key in this ballgame.
0: I think that's true. I think that the main motivation, Sean Rainey, SWX Montana Television, joining us here on is Now on both ESPN Radio and on SWX. Courtesy of these guys. Thanks so much for taking us around the state each and every weekday. the The fact is that that's why the the streaks when they reach more than three games become so paramount because of the legacies of the guys. The guys all Montana. If they can get a win, they can say we didn't go over against the Bobcats. That's huge compared to going over. It's the same thing for the Cats guys, though. Like Braden conkle former Montana State safety. He was all over Twitter this week saying, "Hey." I got it in my back pocket because I never lost to the Grizz. I can say whatever I want this week because I got all the bragging rights. And that's what Troy Anderson and and guys like Lewis Kidd, Taylor Tui and some of these Cat Seniors have on the line as well. But I think that you're right. I think that if the Grizz can harness the momentum, that's a big-time factor in this game because they play such a momentum-based style of football. On the flip side, though, I totally agree with you. This is a, a bigger game for the Grizz only because of the way that it's gone the last couple years. And, you know, you bring Bobby Houck back in. One of the main reasons you do that is to stop losing in-state in any form or fashion. Um, I'm going to have a story this week. Actually, by the time you're listening to this, so it'll be up on Skyline Sports. I always break down all the Montana guys on both rosters. There's 91 Montana guys that are going to play in this game, and uh, – 53 of those are from Montana, or on on the Grizzlies. That's a huge improvement. When Coach Houck, improvement isn't the right word, because I'm not saying the guys from Montana are better, but it's certainly a uh, much higher number. When Bobby Houck first took over, there was only 29 guys on the squad from Montana. So he's definitely put a high priority on that for better or worse, whatever you think of that, uh, but it certainly is a factor. But make no mistake, Montana State was chasing Montana for so long that this game was, Became the most important thing to so many people that follow Bobcat football. I think that that's changed a little bit because they're certainly into the playoffs for the seventh time since 2010. Win, lose, or draw on Saturday. So they've they've fully affirmed themselves as a true national power. They were always good, but now they're a true national power, one of the best programs in the country for sure. So that maybe narrative has dissipated a little bit. That said, Jeff Choate was one of the most popular Bobcat coaches of all time. Jeff Choate went 29-25 at Montana State. Jeff Choate had a couple losing records in a row at Montana State, but Jeff Choate was able to overshadow every single possible element and every single possible flaw in his program because he won four straight Bobcat Grizzly games in resounding fashion by running the ball straight down the Grizz throats, something that Grizz people were not accustomed to seeing. So then, therefore, I do think for the broad ramifications after this game. In the moment, it's definitely bigger for the Grizz. Broadly, though, I think it's a toss-up, if not bigger for the Cats, because if Bobby Houck just wastes Sprint Vegan on Saturday, Bobcat Nation is going to go crazy. And it could give them so much weird narrative, so many weird storylines going into the playoffs, and people might be just freaking out.
6: Yeah, that's a really good point. I kind of hadn't thought about it from that perspective. But it is weird how things, narratives and things uh, change, because, I mean, since I've gotten into my role as sports director... Here, like, the Grizz haven't won. Like, since Riley Corcoran became the voice of the Grizz, like, the Grizz have not won one of these things.
0: My nephew Ellis is five years old. He's never seen the Grizzlies win against the Bobcats. I asked him last night. He's five years old. I said, you know what this week is? He goes, Montana State and Montana are playing. I said, who's going to win? He goes, Bobcats, duh, the Grizzlies have never won. In his mind, that's true. They never have won in his life.
6: And, like, our anchor, Ben Wyman, like, when I asked him, like, about the season, he's like, as long as they beat the Cats, that's the only thing that matters that was kind of the thing that all montana state fans used to be saying over There's the no years kidding. and now yes. and now you're getting grizz fans saying that before like that was never like oh you just have to beat the cats and then that's the only thing that matters like the grizz were worried about national titles and just assumed or like would uh, would not really worry about the cat game all that much because they just thought that they would win so the fact that like grizz fans are now saying as long as we beat the cats like that's that shows well done, Montana State, for kind of switching the narrative the last few years as far as that goes.
0: Well, there's also just the the overall broad scope of this in terms of institutional momentum, and Montana State has so much momentum right now as an institution. One of the things that could impact that positively on the grid side of things is if they can get a win. So I do, I do think that there's a lot on the line for this game to be sure, uh, on both sides. Let's talk about a couple of the key matchups in this game. I think we have two of the best defenses in the country uh, in this game. I think we have a couple teams. that It's very interesting to me because the narrative of the Grizz season for pretty much the last two months has been injuries. But then Montana State had a whole bunch of them on Saturday, so now that playing field's almost even as well.
6: I do want to say one more thing before we get sure. into the matchups for us that we we cover both these universities so closely so we know all the the coaches we know the staffs we know the university what makes this rivalry so great is how big of a game this is it does kind of suck that like one side ends up feeling like so deflated and it's so negative nice. and there's it's just so like doom and gloom it's like it's it's almost like it's unfortunate that like one side is just left like completely in shambles you know Whoa. what i mean like it's 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 a Because we see it directly, you know? you almost like, I feel bad for whoever... Like, I used to just... My narrative has, like, shifted as far as, like, just covering this. And you almost, like, feel bad for whoever loses on that side. Because it's just... It is so, like... It's just such a big deal, but...
0: It is, for sure. But also, then... I've seen this. I think that it's very easy when you win this game and you're going to go to the playoffs to then use that as momentum, but it's also a challenge to not have a letdown from this game uh, coming into the playoffs. But then on the other side, if you lose it, I think that that's one of the key factors is just erasing it if you lose it. If you are a playoff team, Montana did that so well in 2019. They came out and hung 73 on Southeast Louisiana and got a rematch against Weber in the semifinals, or excuse me, the quarterfinals. But that's the other thing about this one is that I have said since last spring, and I think that these are two of the four best teams in the country I still think that I still think that they have as much of a chance to make a run a national championship as anybody in the United States of America at the FCS level and I think that no matter who wins this game on Saturday I still think that's true
6: I would agree I think the Grizz need it more to make a run though yes. because they are a little bit banged up I mean so is Montana State as you just mentioned but I think the Grizz could really use a bye week I think like you said Montana State is probably going to get a bye regardless of the game so um yeah but to, going into that matchups and stuff you know people are have been asking me all week as I'm sure they've been asking you like who's gonna win what's gonna happen blah 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 like I really do think it It if if we knew an exact percentage of health for like Isaiah Fonse I mean I do think that he is he is such a Uh, good player that, and he dictates so much of what they're able to do, I would almost have to know his exact percentage of health to give you, like, a full uh, prediction on the game. Like, if he's 100%, they're going to be able to run their offense, and I think they'll be able to, like, you know have some success on the ground and things like that but if he's out that obviously cha- completely changes the game and if he's limited that completely changes the game how he looks in warm-ups is going to be very fascinating um, I'm always on the field kind of checking that stuff out and I'm going to have a keen eye on how 22 looks in warm because that's going to be pretty interesting I also wouldn't be surprised if he's out or very limited that we might n- not see maybe 15 run the ball a few times you never know
0: yeah maybe Troy Anderson could get some carries The thing about the Cats, I think that Afonso is going to be good to go. I I shouldn't say good to go, but I think he will play. It's the guys after him, too, though, because he's not going to be able to take a 30-carry load like he had against Eastern Washington or Portland State this year, I don't think. They're going to have to have somebody to spell him.
6: So if if he's good to go or playing, so they just he got nicked up and then was in street clothes for the second half like as a precaution, but in a close game, in a game that could decide a Big Sky Conference Championship, that part of it to me is like, cuz people are like saying like yeah I expect him to be fine. In most scenarios like if a guy comes out in street clothes, that means that he's out for a little while. It's just that is so fascinating to me the dynamic of the conversation of like oh man, we're in a dogfight right now. We need to win to ensure ourselves a big sky title, but next week is so important that just we're going to we're going to run the you know, roll the dice and just and risk not playing the second half.
0: Here's here's the way it went down specifically in Bozeman cuz I've actually thought about this a lot. But has been struggling with some sort of lower leg thing. I think it's like an ankle, something, whatever. We're so
6: dang hard that he's going to get bruised up a little bit.
0: Well, absolutely, yeah. Somebody was asking me how close is you to 100%. I said, well, he's not close to 100%. The guy has had like 250 carries this year. He's not He's not even 75%, but him was 75%, one of the best in the country still. He got tweaked late in the first half, and then I think they decided to shut him down. But then Idaho scored right before halftime, and then on the very last play of the first half, T.J. Session, the right tackle, went down with a bad injury. And then right out the gate in the, in the second half, Matt McKay gets smacked. Tommy Malak comes in. Then Elijah Elliott gets taken out of the game. So I don't think they expected it to be a dogfight. I think that they wouldn't have shut down Afonso at that moment if they knew Elliott was going to go out and Session was going to go out. But then those guys went out. But Fonse is already in street clothes, so they can't say, hey, go get your clothes back on. And they tried to just figure out a way to win it. And I think, I, I don't know, I, I think that they were mitigating him to a certain extent. Um, but I don't know if they would have managed it that way if they would have known what was going to happen.
6: Yeah, that makes more sense. I guess my question then to you is, Does Mon- how different does Montana approach this game as far as, Looking back at the 2019 film and maybe changing up like how aggressive they are or what they do defensively to avoid getting you know killed with gap scheme and all that kind of stuff.
0: Well, that's the thing is the Montana State runs less gap scheme than they did under Jeff Choate. That is an advantage for Montana because the the scheme Montana State was running was absolutely the kryptonite of the Grizz defense. I mean, you see it as evidence in 350 yards rushing like the last four rivalry games, but also because TJ Session is out. I highly doubt they're gonna let Rush Reimer make his very first career start in Washington Grizzly at right tackle. Maybe they do. He's listed as number one on the depth chart. Maybe they do. But Sessions has been out earlier this year as well. And they went with Taylor Tuyas Sopo at right guard at right tackle, excuse me. That's their best five if they can then put Joey McElroy from Azul Loyola in there at guard or Cole Sain, former Grizz. That's how they get to their best five. But not having Lewis Kidd and Taylor Tuyas Sopo at guard, instead of having them at tackle. That mitigates a lot of the advantages they have against the Grizz defense because the pulling guards and the delays, the counters, the stuff that Montana State was doing where they use patience to take advantage of the aggressiveness of the Grizz D. I think a lot of that stuff goes away with the reshuffling of the offensive line. But I do think this is the matchup we've been talking about all week here on Nuanas now. And I think it is the matchup in the game.
6: I always thought, like, like, and we don't know the the health status of like Eli Alford, but like the Grizz have been running, you know, pretty much him and Gubner just rotating throughout the yep. whole year. Like, what if they just came out with two defensive tackles and like and gave them like a completely new look even just like for like the first drive or something just like i don't think they would ever do that because i think in college a lot of times you just you more run what you run and it's harder to kind of like get out of your system but what if they just took out an extra safety and put threw in an extra defensive tackle and just had and just went beefy up to, up front Like, I'm just curious, like, why teams, like, don't do that more. Or, like, why – just to even give them another look, and then if it doesn't work, you can just get back into, like, what you were doing, you know?
0: It is a good point. There's a lot of adjustments to be made. The other thing I think will make the Grizz defense operate a little bit better against this Bobcat offense, let's just say everybody's healthy, uh, if both are at full strength. And I know that a lot of people that follow the Grizz and follow Big Sky Football will think that this is crazy for me to say, and this is not a shot at anybody. I just think that the linebackers at Montana this year are a lot more ready for this game than the ones in the past. And I know Dante Olson was the Buck Buchanan award winner, but I just don't think that Jace Lewis is going to go out without playing one of his best games. I think he wants it that bad. I think Patrick O'Connell wants it that bad. As corny and as cliche as it sounds, I think the fact that those guys are all from Montana makes a huge difference, man.
6: They also just – I mean, O'Connell and Lewis – not that Dante Olson didn't play, like, really hard because that guy played. He gave 100% effort on every play. But, like, O'Connell and Lewis – Dude, they just, like, they go all out. Like, they play so hard. They play so fast. And they they have that edge about them. Um, And Marcus Wellenow's obviously been playing really well as well. Um, I think, too, one of the other bigger differences in this game is I think they're a lot stronger at corner. Not only in coverage, but these corners can tackle a lot better than the corners from 2019. I was going over and, like, watching some highlights of that game. And there's like, a couple pitches where they, like... They pitched it to uh, Logan Jones, like, in the corner. Right. And the, who's the, the kid that um, was a wide receiver, and then he switched to corner? Um, they had Darian Nash. Oh, and, Darian
0: Nash and, and Justin Calhoun. Calhoun.
6: And, Calhoun. and they pitched it, and the wide receiver that was blocking him just completely threw him out of the picture, and Logan Jones kind of walks in on the pitch for a touchdown. Justin Ford ain't going to be shoved out of bounds on that block. Like, he's going to shed the block – and likely make a tackle. Like, I think that is a major difference from this Montana defense, um, not the interceptions, but the physicality that Omar Hicks-Anu and Justin Ford kind of bring as corners.
0: Sean Rainey, SWX Montana Television. We talk about this forever. We're out of time for today. We'll have a recap of all this next week, so keep it here. Nuana's now. Thanks so much for being here, man.